All right, welcome everybody. This is episode number 68 of Sports Cards Live, December the 11th, 2020. I'm Jeremy Lee. All right, we're doing a special edition tonight, everybody. Reaction episode to the sales, the PSA 10 Opeachy, the PSA 10 Tops rookie card sales of the Wayne Gretzky rookie cards that happened last night over at Heritage Auctions. Before we get into everything, a few a uh, little bit of uh, housekeeping to take care of. Two Wednesdays ago, Brian Gray joined me on here. He's a great guest every time. Thanks again to Brian for joining. We're going to have him back again very soon. I want to thank last Saturday's guests, Joe and Travis Daly. Joe Daly, the ex-NHL goaltender. His son, Travis, they run Joe Daly Sports and Framing out of Winnipeg. Those guys were awesome. Awesome stories. Check it out if you have a chance. I want to also mention this past Wednesday, I was a featured speaker on the holiday virtual that was presented by Sports Card Investor and eBay. Had fun talking to that audience about hockey cards and uh, hope that I, I did us proud with that. Tomorrow night, so back-to-back -back episodes, first time ever. Tomorrow night, right back here, my guest is Michael Hodges from the, from the Clubhouse Group Breakers. He's a great guy. This is going to be a fun episode, I promise you. We spent some time together last night and I'm very excited for that episode. Next Saturday, Scott Greenberg, CEO of Starstock, will be my guest. That's going to be fun as well. Tomorrow morning, also, I got to let you know, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 o'clock, 8 a.m. Pacific. I'm going to be guest hosting on Hobby Hotline. Joining me will be Dr. James Beckett and NASCAR Val. So check that out. That's on the YouTube channel that is called Hobby Hotline. Also want to let you guys know, Wednesday shows are no longer a guaranteed thing. They're going to be sporadic. I'm going to kind of do some more of these short videos and uh, leave that open for special episodes that can come up any day of the week. If you have topics for these short videos that I've been doing, let me know. I'm open to it. They're a lot of fun and uh, I I'm just enjoying it. I like putting, putting the neon sign behind me. So I hope you guys have liked those. If you've seen them yet, check them out. Um, okay. If you're new here, we got 80 episodes in the archives. They're long. If you want to go back, see which ones you want to watch. Again, bite them off in chunks. YouTube will always remember where you left off. I also want to let you know on the, on the YouTube channel, I posted an intro video just sort of about myself, my history and the hobby. Feel free to check that out. It's short. It's like five minutes long, something like that. So check that out. Tell us a bit about, again, my history, my experiences in this hobby that we all love. If you haven't subscribed yet, guys, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just past 1,650 subscribers. It's climbing quickly, and I, I appreciate everybody for doing that. It, it's awesome. Keeps me going here. While tonight's show is about the PSA 10 Wayne Gretzky rookies that just sold last night, the guys at the Big 3 Hockey, the Big 3 Sports Cards, they have one of the two BGS 10 Sidney Crosby Young Guns on their Instagram page, at the Big 3 Hockey. I'm going to throw that up right now for you all to see. Go check them out on Instagram. One of my favorite accounts to follow. And, uh, I mean, it's a pop two. This BGS 10 Crosby is a pop two. I, it's, sorry, black label. Check that one out. And as always tonight, your comments and questions are in play, so feel free. Now, a little, little bit of news. Uh, Sean Chalk had to get called away to an emergency COVID board meeting tonight, so we're hoping he's going to join us a little bit later. But I called in a backup. We've got Karn Rye from the Big Three who's going to join us tonight. And hopefully Sean comes and joins us as well. So I do want to introduce Bobby Burrell, our guest tonight. He is the author of three vintage hockey books. He's made a previous appearance on Sports Cards Live, episode 43, back on September the 5th. Bobby, welcome back to the show. How are you doing tonight, my man? 
I'm doing great, Jeremy. How's it going there? I'm good. Doing good, buddy. Doing good. Thanks for joining. Thanks for joining tonight. Also joining us tonight is going to be Karn Rye. Karn Rye is from the Big Three. Uh, he sponsors the show, and he has a really good understanding of big ticket cards. It's kind of his sweet spot. So let's bring him out. Karn, how are you doing tonight, man? Good. How are you? Good. Nice good. Thank you. And thanks for joining last minute. I literally called you about half an hour ago and said, hey, I need someone to jump in with me. So thanks for coming. And I know that you were potentially a player on some of these cards at the, at the two big auctions that ended this weekend. So thank you for joining us. All right. I wanted to, uh, first of all, let's go over a few things that kind of, uh, you know, some statistics, some information about these cards, guys. So first thing is, the OPG PSA 10, it sold for 1.29 million US dollars late last night, which is around 1.64 Canadian dollars, 1.64 million Canadian. Same time, the PSA 10 tops copy sold for 720 US dollars, around 915,000 Canadian, which blows out of the 915 blows out of the water what the last PSA 10 OPG sold for, or the last time the PSA 10 OPG sold for. I also want to mention, and this is really cool, an unopened box of, of Opeechee, 1979-80 Opeechee, the, the box that the Opeechee card came out of also sold last night for $114,000 US dollars, around $145,000 Canadian. 48 packs in that box equals about $2,400 US or $3,000 Canadian per pack. Per pack. These packs were what, what? How much were they, Bobby? You've got some hanging behind you. 15, 20, 25 cents? 20 cents, I think. 20 cents back in the day. Now they're going for $3,000. That's a good return. That's a really good return. So let's jump in. Bobby, let's start with you. What was your first reaction when you learned the prices that these sold for, the Opeachy in particular? Well, uh, it's nice to see that Gretzky's still breaking records after the uh, being in the NHL. Um, I was uh, I was impressed with, uh, with the final uh, hammer. I really think that... Um, with the trout uh selling for three point something million uh i figured he might come close like at a third which is about where he kind of finished but really impressed me was the tops the 700k that blew me out of the water i was really impressed with that one i didn't think it would come close i thought it might skirt it where gretzky left off on the last one at four hundred thousand, but it went to 700k and that just, the, it doesn't get as much effect as the uh, Opeachy, but man, that one, it's going to open some eyes, you know? Yeah, for sure. And a little bit later, I've, I, we're going to go over the, the populations of both of the cards, and we'll see that they're not that far apart, actually, in terms of rarity and, and the, the ability to, to find the, for the card to grade a 10 in the, within the overall population, the, the gem mint rate, if you will. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Bob. No, go ahead. Oh no, that surprised me because there's only two of each on Opeachy and Tops, and Tops had better cuts. Um, that's the thing that's that's perplexing me. Or yeah. people, less people send them in. I guess you have those numbers, so we'll get go to ahead, those. We'll, yeah, we'll get to those for sure. Karn, how about you? What was your what was your reaction when you learned what the final hammer price where it was on both of these cards? For me, it was uh, about time for hockey. Like, I've been waiting uh, for something big to happen with hockey. I think the last news that was as not as big as, at all, but uh, in the hockey community was the McDavid 97 out of 99. But uh, this Gretzky PSA 10, it, it's going to go to every collector. And, and basketball, baseball, 
it's, just, it's not just hockey, right? So I, I, it was for me, it was about time. I, I love it. And uh, uh, just as Bobby said, um, my reaction to the tops card as well, uh, I didn't expect it to go that high, but it did. And it kind of makes you think maybe it's a good time to buy some tops Lemieux. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's well said. We're going to get into some of these sort of, you know, where it where it sends people thinking and where they're going to look for some opportunities based on these these sales themselves. So, Karn, next question, we'll start with you. Any speculation as to who may have bought these cards? I have a feeling we're going to we're going to find out eventually someone's going to come come public and let us know who bought them. Any speculation collectors? Fund investment funds, pro athletes, the the fractional ownership companies. Any speculation on your end of who might have bought these cards? See, this is what makes everything so different with sports cards. Um, when the last copy got sold for four hundred sixty-five thousand, there was no talk about uh, fractional ownership or a fund. But from what I'm uh, privy to, it seems like there are funds targeting Wayne Gretzky rookie cards. So I would not be shocked at all if this this is a fund purchase or even uh, a fractional share purchase. Bobby, what do you have any insights, any feelings about this? Um, I don't think it was uh, a fractional ownership. I don't think they would um, put their foot in the water that deep. I believe it's a private sale and I think it'll stay private for some time. Well, time will tell for sure. Um, I think we're going to learn about it, but that's just my gut feel. I think when yeah, someone makes a splash like this, what's that, Karn? It's definitely coming. Like that card is definitely coming out of who the owner is for sure. We'll see. We, we, we'll see. We, we, we'll see for sure. For sure. It's going to be exciting to, to, to think about it, speculate on it. Hopefully we find out soon enough. All right. Before we get into the next stuff, let's just see who we have joining us tonight. We got a lot of viewers. want to welcome everybody again. Thanks for joining us. We are going to break down the sale of the PSA 10 Opeachy Gretzky, the PSA 10 Tops Gretzky rookies. These things were, they, they smashed records. Um, Karn, you mentioned that the, before we get to the, the people, and I will get there in a second, I just want to add to what you said before, that the last one was the uh, the McDavid Cup rookie, the 97 of 99, sold for like what, 135,000 US dollars. Yep. Right before that, we had the Sidney Crosby BGS 10 Cup rookie out of 99, the only BGS 10 sold for 125,000 US dollars. And now the Gretzky comes along and, and you know, 10 times what those were, 10 X as we say nowadays, 10 X those old cards. So we, we didn't just set a new record for a hockey card, um, you know, and I guess there was the Gretzky's that had sold before, but we, we didn't just set a new record. We smashed the old record. And um, I think we're all pretty happy about that. Okay. We got Eric Perry says, a rising tide lifts all boats. The prices of hockey cards, especially Gretzky issues from the 80s, will likely increase over the short term. We're going to talk about that specifically, Eric. Great comment. Charles says, I think too much except for the, I think so too much. I think so too much except for the stats card. Broy says, this one is going to be great. Looking forward to it. Thank you, B-Roy. Brian Kingsley, welcome to the show. Charles, going to be a great episode. Thank you, Charles. Oz, good day, Oscar Dad, to you. Terry Fortune. Terry Fortune's licking his chops right now, I got to tell you. Terry Fortune, I don't know, Terry, how many cards you own, Gretzky Rookies. I have a feeling it's right around that 100 mark, so congratulations to you and everybody else out there that holds Gretzky Rookies. I think we're all feeling pretty good about them. Paul White, good evening to you. We got Dustin, the personal finance dad in the house. Dustin, welcome to the show. Indigenous uh, Rookie Cards, name is in the house, name. Good. Uh, welcome to you. Says uh, great job in the sports card investor this week. Thank you so much. I tried to re represent the hockey segment as best I could. If anyone wants to watch that, 
It's on the Sports Card Investor YouTube channel. Day two was the Wednesday, and I came in towards the end. So check that. It's about a 15-minute interview. I had a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Al, good evening to you. Global Sports Card Investor, what's up? We are, we're doing this tonight, man. We're doing this. Brian Kingsley, Jeremy, thank you for helping me scratch that ripper's itch I had last night. I ended up buying two 1920 Series 1 hobby boxes in a revolution. You're welcome, Brian. I, I, hope, I hope you did well. Ziggy, good evening to you. Dennis Lescombe, welcome to the show. Charles, like that 79 wax in the background, Bobby. Bobby's got the uncut wax right there. It's a perfect uh, perfect decoration for the show. Dana Mayer, welcome to the show. Dana. Hey, man. Tim Marin's in the house. Hey, everyone. Really looking forward to the chat. Thank you for joining us. Chris McMahon is here. Hi, guys. Gonna be great. Yeah, we're going to have a good show tonight. Sean is probably picking up the PSA 10 OPT. Sean told me tonight that he did not buy the card. So it was not Sean Chalk. Would have been cool if it was. Hockey Cards Official, welcome to the show. Chi Town Hustler says, Chi Town Hustler says, that OPG card was overgraded. And let's 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 face it, everybody. We've been hearing this for years and years and years about this card. It's not new news that the hobby feels that the card is overgraded. It is what it is. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later. <laughs> Terry Fortune is big time happy, as you should be. What's cracking? I don't know who this is, but welcome to the show. Ziggy says, do any of you have this card in a lower grade? I think we all do. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's several of those of these cards in the room right now, Ziggy. No doubt about it. Canner Collects has a BGS 2.5. Matt Chang says maybe this will help the Tops version get a little more hobby love or potentially even affect the Tops version of other rookies like Lemieux, Patrick Waugh, etc. Mm -hmm. Earl Strohmeyer, welcome to the show. Earl, this guy says I was jazzed to get 500 for my PSA 1 crazy times. Yes, it, they are crazy times. Sam Genova, welcome. This will be a great episode. Happy to have you, buddy. Happy to have you. Fowl Fireball, welcome to the show. We got Patty in the house. Welcome, Patty. Kids and cards. Agree with agree with the beautiful hat. Go Leafs. Go Leafs. There you go, Bobby. That one's for you. Yeah. B. Roy says the Gretzky Opeachy PSA 10 was a $94,000 card in 2011. And that is correct. That is fact right there. It's amazing how far we've come in nine years. It truly is. It's amazing how far we've come in one year, but nine years as well. Good evening, Davey. Good to have you, buddy. Good to have you. Ricardo, welcome to the show. We got Wayne Chukin in the house. Bob, that, happy to see you, Bobby. Happy to see you. Charles says, I love that rough cut on the PSA 10. And that's what the Opeachy card, you know, and, and this is just simple. If you're not all that familiar with Opeachy cuts, 70s cut Opeachy cards, even some 80s, they were rough. Maybe now is a good time, Bobby. Bobby sent me a picture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you guys this is a pig. Now, Bobby's a historian. Bobby's a hobby historian. He's written the book, Vintage Hockey Collector. He's got a couple copies of that out. And um, they're awesome books. But all that said, Bobby has a lot of, he's like the guy that has the information on how these things work back in the day. So he sent me this picture. I'm going to add it to the screen right now. And Bobby, when I do this, if you could explain what we're looking at, please. Sure, sure. So back in the day, this is actually from 1970-71, if you can recognize some of the cards. This may be hard on the picture, but um, what that was called was the slitter. And uh, the amount you can see stacked up there, there's probably about, I don't know, 20 or 30 cards uh, stacked up there. Um, yeah, Jeremy, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so what they would do, 
is they would uh, put them through the slitter and slice them through. They didn't sharpen the blades. Uh, they were known for that. Uh, even I talked with um, uh, Gary Kareen, and uh, he said that... Uh, Gary Kareen? Yeah, oh, so Gary Kareen was the owner of Opeachy from 1969. He started working there, and then he owned it in seventy early 70s, uh, right straight through to the end. Um, and uh, what they would do... Um, Opeachy would work on a bonus program where the more they would put out, the more packs, because when it was hockey season, it was 24-7 at Opeachy. And uh, the more they would cut, the more they would produce more boxes out the door uh, on the pallets, uh, they would get paid bonus. So it was a very small bonus, but they weren't making much, so any little bit helped. And what they would do is uh, put more cards on the stack. And so when the blades, although they weren't sharpened very often, which was a, a shortcoming, uh, they would... Um, uh, a stack more cards, the blades would go through, and it would start tearing opposed to cutting. And that's why we get the OPG rough cuts. So what what in here, where, do we see the blades here or the wires? That we, we well, the blades the are behind here. her, uh, right in line with her. And that thing flips down, uh, the two uh, finger things flip down, and they flip the cards back up and drop it into the, uh, the slitter. So Okay. All right. I hope, I mean, guys, where else do you get it's this? It's hard to see from that uh, angle, but... Uh, yeah, that's original 1970, 71. So, yeah, like where else do you get to see pictures like this than when you have Bobby Burrell making another appearance on Sports Cards Live? So thanks, Bobby, for that uh, information. And it's just neat to be able to see how these, you know, there's just one person sitting there on a machine cutting stacks of OPG cards, 1970, 71. And let's face it, there's some probably some great cards in those stacks right there. You got the Gilbert Perot rookie, the Bobby Clark rookie, uh, the Daryl Sittler, Brad Park, among others. So... Thank you for, for sending that over, and we got to put that up. Very happy about that. Thank you, Bobby. Okay, back to the comments. Um, where did I leave off here? All right, we got Oscar Dad says, do you guys think any modern cards players would sell for more than the Gretzky? Just curious as a new hockey collector. Great question. Let's, uh, Karn, why don't you take this question? Do you think any modern cards or players would sell for more than the Gretzky hockey-wise? Yeah, I'm, <clears throat> I'm trying to think. Um you got the Ovechkin shield, you got the Crosby shield, um, McDavid shield. Those are about probably in the 200, 300 range, possibly. Um, but 1.3 million US, and I'm talking 200, 300 Canadian, 1.3 million. I, I don't see that happening for quite some time, but uh, things got crazy here in the last year. So I think there might be an effect on the modern hockey card market from this sale. I'm starting to see it a little bit with the Crosby young guns, Ovechkin young guns. Just uh, scouring through Facebook, you're starting to see people looking for it more. And that's kind of a big way to uh, do an analysis on the market. So I think it's going to have an effect on modern cards. But is one of those cards going to sell for more than Gretzky? I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen for a while. I don't think so either. I think Gretzky is is far and away the goat of our sport. And uh, and the card is it's the, the iconic card. It represents hockey cards in my mind. So, okay, let's keep uh, – Bobby, you got something to jump in with? Uh, yeah, I guess we never thought Gretzky would surpass Bobby Orr, but there we go. There we right go. And I mean, the highest graded Bobby Orr card, I believe, you know, not including the test issue, but the, yes. just the, the 66 rookie is a PSA 9. And I I don't remember off the top of my head what, what we know that card is sold for. Do either of you have that in mind or if anyone in the, in the group does? 300, 310, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So but not in, not in COVID times, though. No. Yeah, it was uh, about seven to nine months ago. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was seven to nine months ago. Yeah, it was it was on Heritage, I believe. 
Okay. Yeah. So it could be double, two, two and a half exit right now type of thing. Yeah, fair. Eli says the card may pop pop up on the PSA registry. Time will tell. Insane sale. It sure is. Hockey cards official. How do you guys think this will affect? Oh, I think I did that already. No, no. How do you guys think this will affect the sales of modern hockey? Do you think this that people start paying more attention to vintage? So I think what he's asking is, do you think people who collect modern will start looking more at vintage now that they've seen this particular card sell? And I mean, we're, we're going to talk a little bit more about that shortly. I just want to get through the welcome comments here. But uh, yeah, we'll come back to that HCO for sure. Um, Charles has an opinion, not with a supply of new cards. Card art. Great timing conversation. Anyone seen a better PSA OPG Gretzky rookie? That's that's definitely debatable right there. Oz Cardad, I ask me, I ask is mainly a basketball collector, which is a lot of modern players that sell for more than the all-time greats. Is this a similar situation in hockey? It is not a situ- similar situation in hockey. Um, you know, your your Giannis's, your Lucas, your Zion's, they are going, your Steph Curry's, of course, LeBron's, Kobe's. They're, they outsell. They outsell the greats. They outsell the Bill Russells, the Will Chamberlains. That doesn't really happen in hockey. Not yet anyway. Uh, Eric Perry, thanks for dispelling the piano wire cutting myth. There you go. Jeff Proctor. Oh. <laughs> I've heard that so many times. Welcome to the show to Jeff Proctor. Terry says, looks like grandma's rolling pin. Thanks for sharing the pick, Bobby. Yeah, that's awesome. Tim says, since Bobby's here again, thank you. Can we get his brief thoughts again on the blue line theory? For those who may have missed it on the last episode, real brief, but pertinent with the topic. Tim, that is on the agenda for tonight. Bobby and I have had extensive discussions about about that, that particular issue with as far as the Gretzky rookies go. And we are going to... Let's hit it. Let's get into it, Bobby. Why don't we just get into it right now? It's the last thing. Okay. Agenda for tonight. It's actually the very last thing that I was going to raise, but since it's fresh in our minds, sure. Let me and let me just preface this all by saying the generally accepted theory in the hobby is that there's a first print run of the Gretzky rookie and the 7980 OPG, and then there's a second print run or a later print run or print run. And there's on the back of some of the Gretzky rookies, you're going to see two very, very thin blue lines that run parallel horizontally across the back of the card. Some of them are, are more vibrant than others. Just depends on how much ink was in there. And, and, and that's what people consider to be first print run. So Bobby and I have discussed this extensively and, and even gone to the painstaking uh, measures of looking very closely at the backs of uncut sheets and this and that. Bobby, why don't you tell us what your thoughts are, what your current thoughts are on that? Yes, uh, we're going to go back into there. Uh, you know, is it the first print run? I guess we can get that uh, on the uh, on the docket first. Um, is it the first or second? We don't really know officially. I do feel it's the second. I, th- I know Jeremy does as well. Um, the blue line's running across the back. Um, I did a calculation from looking at a lot of different uh, cards. We come up at about 35% of the cards have the blue line, uh, maybe closer to 40, um, give or take. Um, that would definitely lean anybody to believe uh, that it would be the second run. They wouldn't fix it along the way. There's no way um, they would fix it, and then it's all nice and everything. You know, it's really funny. Um, if you look at the front of the Gretzky rookies, um, there's a darker blue and a lighter blue, and the lighter blue usually has those little lines running down either side. Um, it seems that those ones have the blue lines, and whereas the dark blue do not. 
Um, they're a little bit more prevalent in the blue. Um, so that's where I see the, um, uh, the, the Gretzky differentiate. Uh, so are we looking at the blue lines being the first or second print run? I don't know. At this point, I think that they're the second print run. Uh, does it really mean anything? I, I see on the whole sheet, uh, there's blue lines running down all the cards, except for two cards. I forget. I actually wrote those two down. It seemed like um, Morris Lukowicz and uh, who was the other one who had uh, uh, Dean Talifus. Um, It didn't seem like he had any blue lines. And he's in that line run that uh, runs down the uh, where the blue lines run. So there's a lot of questions still out there on that and what really happened. There's actually down the first row, there's a single blue line on some of the other cards. Um, so it's a, a, we're still plagued with, we really don't know at this point. Um, but does it really matter? It doesn't affect the card. It's a natural occurrence um, to 40% of the cards. So should it matter in the value? I really don't think so. So anybody putting first print run on the cards, it's not gonna help you. It's really not second print run. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it, so. It, it does. It does help. It, it does help. I'll just say, Bobby, simply because the generally accepted theory is that when they have them, they're present, and a lot of people want that and will will maybe. I don't know if they'll pay more for it. Some people certainly will, but some people will just wait to find one with those two blue lines. And like you said, I believe that I believe it's the opposite. I believe that those two thin blue lines on the back represent. Um, wear and tear on the equipment versus any, like you said, they're never going to go back in, in 1979, 80 and fix a flaw. That makes no sense back then. I mean, we see how off-centered many of them come out of the pack. We see the jagged edges. Why would they fix that flaw, but no other flaw? Doesn't make any logical sense to me. Karn, have you thought about this? Do you have any thoughts on it or are you aligned with us? Yeah, fully aligned. Um, I used to just scour through like the the forums to see uh, what others would say, and there's always that big debate about it. And I think you said it right, Jeremy. It's just that generally generally accepted uh, rule or principle now. Uh, even when you see like Gretzky rookies on uh, Facebook uh, being sold, people always ask, "Oh, is this the first uh, first print run with the blue line?" When you're at shows, that same question happens too. And despite the the apparent it seems like to I, I agree with you guys it seems like it's the second uh, run of it and uh despite that it's kind of just the rule now and, and i don't see it uh, going away yeah and maybe not the second run but just later on in the yeah, process yeah. you know so when i'm at a card show and i have gretzky rookies in my showcase i've never been comfortable putting first print run on there because i've never believed it but what i do put on there because i know some people are are they like it i don't want to call them they're a sucker for it but they they buy into that I, I will put blue lines present. That's what I've marked them with. Just, hey, if, you want, if you want the flaw on the back of the card, you, I'll sell it to you and you want to pay me more. I'll take your, I'll take more money. Like, of course I will. Okay. I think, I think we're good on that for, Oh, go ahead, Bobby, please. Yeah. Just with the, uh, the blue lines, you know, aesthetically, I like the blue lines not being there to be honest. Actually, the, it's usually a darker blue card. It uh, looks a lot better. Um, so I don't think you're really, there is really too much of a premium. You know, getting to the tops, there's an error that I discovered. Uh, there is an error, a number eight card. Uh, it's I think it's uh, game-winning goals or something like that. Um, and I noticed that um, there's actually three errors, uh, which I discovered. There's two noted uh, where there's, uh, I think uh, it's um, the two goalies. Uh, oh, it's not game-winning goals. It's uh, it's uh, 
save whatever it is. is it, um, it's not the Gretzky card. It's not the Gretzky card, but I'm just saying, it, you know, obviously tops fixed it three times, which is very interesting. Uh, I'm just going into the top side of just a, a little factual thing. It, it's interesting that tops would stop the print run. Actually, Paul Matier and uh, another goalie was reversed and then they fixed it, but they didn't fix it properly. And then they fixed it again, which is very interesting for tops. And uh, to see that um, Opeachy didn't do any fixing, you know, they just kind of let things roll. That's actually quite surprising because usually Opeachy would fix things because it really mattered. Hockey, Canadian, Canada, as USA, it didn't seem to matter as much where baseball and, and football was more prevalent. All right. Well, thanks for those added tips. Okay. Uh, Ranchi says exactly these cards were never cut with a wire. Thanks to Bobby for clearing that up. Amit's in the house. Welcome, Amit. Says show number 68, fitting its Jaggers jersey number. Bobby's a true legend. Vintage knickknacks and info. Very true, Amit. Very true. Uh, this anonymous Facebook user says, we look at the Gretzky as the holy grail here, but what about higher graded C55s, which, which is the 1911, uh, the 19... 11 set or 1951 Parkhurst, will they get boosted by this? That's a really good question. Mm -hmm. Will those get boosted by this card selling? And that comes back to the discussion of, is it going to push through? Is it going to trickle down to the rest of the hockey card hobby and boost up the values of everything that came before it? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I think everything has experienced growth this year is this going to add more growth to the 1951s and the 1911s? I don't know. Karn, what do you think? Personally, I think it will because um, the way I look at cards is I do kind of an analysis of, okay, Gretzky's at this value. Lemieux should be here. And then once Lemieux starts going up, okay, maybe Crosby should be here. Ovechkin should be here. You know, so I started looking at those type of things. So I think uh, – uh, people that are heavily into the vintage market are going to start doing that with uh, Gordie Howe cards, for example, or Bobby Orr, because now you're starting to see that money is coming to the hockey card market. And that's obvious. Someone just spent $1.6 million Canadian on a Gretzky card. So, you know, the money's coming in. So now you want to jump ahead and start uh, looking at the market to see what's next. That's going to jump in value. So I think it's kind of a natural inclination to go and look at what is undervalued today and start, uh, making those picks i wonder you know so this whole cascading effect how far down will it trickle like i i agree i think you'll see the the goats of our hobby or the 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 you know the best players we've ever known the bobby Orr's, the maurice richards gordy howes maybe even further back into the howie morens the eddie shores and then you can go back into the the pioneers of the game the art rosses newsy lalonde cyclone taylors these guys that were in the first sets George Vezina, of course, who's kind of known the George Vezina card is often thought of as our um, Honus Wagner in a way, much not not quite as rare, but you know that's kind of the, the key card from the 1911 set. So, but is it going to trickle down further to the you know the the bottom of the, the bottom feeder Hall of Famers, if you will? Who knows? Who knows? But I I agree with you, Karn, there that yeah, you're going to see Mario Lemieux, Patrick Waz, maybe even guys like Mike Bossy, Mark Messier, Raymond Bork. Brett Hall, Steve Eiserman, who's seen explosive growth this year. I think so. But again, how far down will that cascade? Time will tell. Time will tell. Let's keep rolling here. Uh, Earl says, how does the sale of the Gretzky PSA 10 affect the price of eights and nines? Or does the price of the 10 stand alone? No, I mean, you guys are hitting on all the topics that we were going to hit on. So let's get into <laughs> that. So, you know, I had, I had made a couple notes and I said, 
Uh, okay. Do do these sales, do they pull up the values of other copies of other lower graded cards, the nines, the eights, the sevens, or is this copy falling in line with what we've seen sevens, eights, and nines sell for? Because they have gone up in value significantly this year. So does the 10 fall in line or does it exceed that and pull them up a bit or does it pull them up a lot? What do you, what do you guys think of this? I mean, I'm not... I have I have an opinion, but I'll save it. Who wants to go first on this one? Karen, go ahead. Yeah, well, um, I have a buddy actually from the States that has uh, three PSA 9s. He actually just messaged me uh, about two, three hours ago saying that he's getting all-time offers on his PSA 9s. And he was asking me if uh, I think he should take the offers or not. So I think that's a, a direct impact from the PSA 10 sale. And I told him to hold on a little bit and assess where the market's going because I truly believe that there is fund money coming into these big vintage cards. And uh, I think that's a lot of money. And uh, I think it's something that uh, hockey cards haven't haven't seen that type of money come in until very recently. And I think it's going to have a, a major impact on card values. So I think those PSA 9 Gretzky's, PSA Gretzky's, and I'm not trying to pump the cards. I'm like just saying that there's a lot of money coming in and it's uh, where is that money going to go? I think the natural thing is that it's going to go to the next best thing, which is PSA 9. Yeah, it make it makes sense, you know. So let's let's talk a little bit because I have I, I went through I did my research today earlier today and I kind of picked out the populations of the PSA tens, nines, and I didn't even do the eights, but the tens and the nines versus the whole population. So to understand just how rare it is or how difficult it is to get PSA to put a Wayne Gretzky rookie into a into a ten holder. For the, P for the Opeachy card, as of like three hours ago, PSA had graded 6,688 copies of the Opeachy Gretzky rookie. Only two PSA 10s and only 89 PSA 9s. So 91 cards out of 6,688 are PSA 9 or better. That, that is a 1.3% uh, rate. 1.3% of Gretzky rookies are going to be a 9 or higher or that have been graded by PSA or a nine or higher. So just over one in a hundred, pretty, pretty darn rare. If we look at the top side of things, so tops, a lot of people think that tops is way more common than Opeachy, myself included, up until you look at these populations. Tops is only, and I say only <laughs> kind of, it's almost funny, but tops is only graded, or sorry, PSA has only graded. 7,108 copies of the tops card. So 7,108 versus 6,688. Pretty close. They're like 500 apart only. Not that far. The same amount of PSA 10 tops copies. There's only two of them. But instead of there being 89 PSA 9 Opeaches, there's 127 PSA 9 tops copies. So we have a 1.8% chance of getting nine or better, or that's the rate of PSA nines or tens versus 1.3. It seems minuscule. It's almost like there's really no difference between the likelihood of a tops copy versus an Opeachy copy grading a mint or a gem mint. I don't, I didn't look at the eights. I was running out of room on my page. I'm not sure how many of those there are, but there's obviously more than these. So one thing I, one disclaimer on all these numbers though, is that Population reports are not accurate. They just aren't by a function of how the hobby works. There's there's a pitfall. There, there's a, a misstatement of reality there simply because people 
they get their card graded. They don't, they're not happy with the grade. They open it up, they send it back, hope for a new grade. And if you take it out of the, out of the holder, PSA has no idea that this might've been a PSA eight at one time. And now you're sending it in trying to get a PSA nine. So I think the PSA nines and 10, you may, obviously no one's broken out a PSA 10, but I have to think, especially with there only being two PSA tens that people have attempted to break out a PSA nine and submit it for a 10. So there's probably fewer PSA nines that I've quoted and PSA eights and sevens way less. Like, I don't know what that rate is. Maybe if there's, if the pop report says there's 5 percent what's that? 30%, gotta be. 30, you think 30% misstatement, overstated in terms of the pop of- Well, like how many people would break a seven to get an eight or an eight to get a nine is at least 30%. It has to be uh, just the sheer money difference is just driving it for sure. Gotta that, be. That, that's a higher percent than I would have thought, but I'm not I'm not disputing. We don't know that it's, it's reasonable. I would have thought maybe- 15 to 20 Karn, where do you, where do you fall in this, uh, on these thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I'm just thinking about it like very arbitrary, but same, I think about like 15%, 20%, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked if it's 30% at all. Right. Well, I would think eight to nine, it would be probably higher and seven to eight would be less. And as we go down, obviously, you know, uh, I don't think it really matters after that, but how many nines for tens, you know, or oh. nine and a half, you know, wow. Yeah. yeah, higher percentage, you know, the more the money, because that's a huge jump. Now it's a super huge jump, right? Oh, so. man. Now I bet I bet that nine rate. I bet everybody's got their screwdrivers. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see. I think people are going to be cracking out their nines, hoping to resubmit for a 10. And, and, you know, what happens if that 10 pop goes up from three to four, from two to three to four to five? Does that bring down the values of, of the two that exist right now? Maybe, maybe not. Tough to tough to say. I also want to mention though that Beckett, under their Beckett vintage graded uh, label, has graded many copies as well. So I, I took those notes down as well because you have to consider that people cross grade. They'll buy a card in a Beckett holder, take it out, send it to PSA for grading. So Beckett has graded three thousand eight hundred and sixty copies of the Opichi with one ten, one BVG ten, which is called pristine. Uh, 11 9.5s, note that PSA doesn't have a 9.5 grade, and 56 nines. So a 1.75% chance or 1.75% of the total population are a BVG 9 or higher. While for the TOPS version, they've graded 3,696 copies, which is fewer than they've graded for Opichi, which I found really interesting. Zero BVG 10s four 9.5s and 29s. So a 0.65% chance. So less like just over half a percent uh, of the total population are a BVG nine or higher in the tops. When you put these populations together, I am convinced that that high grade tops are just as rare as high grade Opeachy, if not even rarer when you add the BVG, uh, when you add the Beckett population in with the Opeachy. So Maybe not today now with 700K. Maybe not anymore, right? Maybe we'll see many, many more being submitted. Of course we will. That's 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 bound to happen. Yeah, Bobby. Can I make an addendum to uh, what I was saying about 30%? I think, you know, if you look at, um, we're talking about personal collectors versus um, uh, dealers or people who are resending things. And I'm very sure the numbers are very high on the, uh, on the dealer end. And I think there's a larger point of, investor dealers at this point looking at going from eight to nine nine to ten whatever uh 
I think it's at least 30%. If you get into personal collectors, I think they go, well, I, I got an eight. Okay, I'm happy. I'm good enough. You know, that's good enough for me. I'm not going to send it in again because I don't want to wait six months. But that might change soon. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's it. people don't, they, they don't hide the fact that they're resubmitting. You see it all the time on in Facebook groups, on Instagram, wherever you are. People, they get a card back and, you know, they'll put it out there and they'll get comments from people who think they can grade a card by looking at a scan on their screen. And, you know, which, which is the, Facebook's notorious for that. Yeah. And uh, and they'll say, oh, how is that? You know, it's a four. How is that not a six? Oh, send it back. Send it back. You know, so mm. it, you could be right, Bobby. It could be 30 percent. It could be higher. Tough to, tough to say, tough to say. Okay, more comments here, guys. I want to run through a few more of these here. Um, Oz Cardad says, so would a Gretzky with blue line sell for more? I mean, that's generally been the, there's two There's two camps. There's the, there's the camp of people that say, yes, I'll pay more for them if it has them because they are under what I believe is the misconception that it's a first print run, which who cares anyway? And, uh, and and then other people don't care. Bobby doesn't care. I personally do not care. In my personal collection, I have some Gretzky rookies. I don't care if they have the blue lines or not. But I will I will definitely highlight that to customers who are willing to pay a premium. Why not? But I'm not. I'm never going to tell them if it's a first print run. But I will tell them that the generally accepted theory in the hobby is that it is, even though I don't believe it. So how much be uh, beyond the 1.29 million without the blue line? Would the blue line sell for? That's a good question. I mean, I yeah. If this, if the copy, no more, no less, really. Well, it, who knows? It would have been. It would have been what it would have been. I, I I can't believe that that would make any significant difference. Um, I agree with you, Bobby, because I think that the people that were bidding at in the you know in the the eight hundred grand and up, or even even the hundred oh, blue line, up, okay, <laughs> yeah, those right. people probably don't care. They just want it, it's all about population to them. Sure. I believe. I don't think they're really buying. I mean, I think that they're putting as much stock into the card itself as they are into the holder that the card is in because of the 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 the, the perceived rarity or the, the 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 rarity that is based on the the published population. Rarity is king in every collectible, and PS, a PSA ten Gretzky is extremely rare. Whether the card inside is of that quality is almost a different, completely different issue. But we'll come. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit here. Uh, I thank you to Charles for giving some advice on how to spot a real Gretzky in the chat. Yeah, we're not going to get into tonight how to spot a, a fake or a real uh, a Gretzky rookie, but there are some. You, it's an easy Google search to see uh, to find out what what those uh, telltale signs can be. Uh, Dave Weir says, "By now, most buyers know there is no first print run." Well, Dave, tell the people to come to my booth at Expo. I think I think you'll you'll be surprised. Bob Diggity, cheers to you. Ranchi says, Bobby is right. I also love the one with the darker blue color. It looks much better. And, you know, you see that in all vintage cards across all sports. Mike Truman owns all three of those cards. Not sure which ones you're talking about, Mike, but probably some of the great ones we've already got. Maybe the number eight from uh, 79 Tops. Tim Marin says, thanks for the answer, gents. I know you've tackled blue lines on previous show, but many new viewers tonight that will benefit from your thoughts. Yeah, Tim agreed, and I think we just covered that very well. Hey, Tip for the host from Dex Flow. Thank you so much. Hyped to be here. You're the best interviewer in the business. Thanks, man. Question as a BVG8 Tops Gretzky owner, will the record prices have a trickle-down effect raising all Gretzky rookie prices? So your comment is about 15 minutes old. We have addressed that, but thank you for the comment, Dex. Paul White says there is a great story. 
Uh, regarding the photo on that Gretzky rookie card too. Yes, there is. Bobby, are you, are you, you know who knows that story? I had Ken Reed on the show and he told the story. I forget the details, but the the, the cool thing is that uh, Gordy Howe was on the ice during that during that shot apparently. So that's really cool. During the picture. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. that's really neat. Gordy Howe was on the ice when that picture was taken of Wayne Gretzky. Doesn't get much better than that. Oscar says, so you could chase the Gretzky blue line rainbow rookies. There you go. Pierre Etienne, what do you think about Topps PSA vintage while Lemieux Gretzky being four to five times cheaper for the same grade of PSA? The PSA pop is slightly more for Topps, but the difference is too much. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see more and more people willingly bring Topps cards into their collections because of the respect that this particular card got. And the, there's also, as, as Karn said earlier, the Mario Lemieux rookie. I mean, <laughs> there's one at auction right now. I made a note about it, and then I, I made a note earlier, and then Karn told me. But when I noted this earlier today, there's a PSA 10 Opeachy Lemieux rookie right now at the same auction that was at 43200 US dollars when I looked. The last highest price for that was around $24,000. So it's basically doubled in value since earlier this year. Yeah. And that card could have been had a year ago for eight, $9,000 when it had, after it had come down from some previously higher rates of around 17, 18 grand. So, um, but uh, Karn, since we talked about this before, why don't you express your thoughts on how you think this card, the sales of the, the sale of the tops PSA 10 Gretzky is going to affect PSA, or yeah, PSA graded tops cards of Mario Lemieux, Patrick Waugh, Mark Messier, Raymond Bork, which are really neat cards because of the black scratch, the scratchy black area. What do you think, Karn? Yeah, like in my personal perspective, you're starting to see Mario Lemieux go up, uh, the OPG copy and the Patrick Waugh uh, OPG copies are going up. And uh, the gap is actually starting to get wider with the tops versions and the OPG versions. I think eventually you're going to come to a point where the OPG versions hit the price point that they're going to get to. And then people are going to say, wait, hold on. The tops gap is getting too large and people are going to start buying the tops version because now we know on the high end, the tops Gretzky PSA 10 did more than what we could ever imagine on that tops copy. Right. So it used to be what half of an OPG. And yeah. it's uh, only 25% less or whatever it is. So I think that uh, gives that rep to the tops, uh, uh, tops versions. And you're going to see a little bit more of a price bump for those cards. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you. And, you know, you can now look at some of the other sports just because, you know, people are being priced out, as you said. So look at the LeBron James tops Chrome rookie or the tops Chrome refractor rookie. Everyone would want the tops Chrome refractor rookie. You're priced out now at 100 grand for, a, say, a PSA 10 or 150, whatever it might be right now. Sorry, and I'm probably wrong on those numbers. I don't remember off the top of my head. But then you can go for the Topps Chrome in a PSA 10. It's like twelve, thirteen thousand $13,000. Most people are priced out of that. So just go for the regular Topps copy. And I don't know what it goes for, but it's significantly less. So we've seen a trend recently with this year and past years too, but especially this year where people are getting priced out of the, the target card or the, the real prize possession card. So they're looking for more affordable options because they still want to own a rookie card of that player. So like you said, you can't afford an Opeachy PSA 7, but you want a really nice copy with great visual appeal. So maybe you grab a Topps copy. And the cool thing is that they look the almost the exact same. Yeah. The only difference is like a little bit of a color difference. And to be 
and the fact of the matter is the tops copies were just produced at a higher quality. They're, they're, they, they're just almost nicer overall, but the Opeachy purists, and I'm one of them, we like that rough cut edge. It, it reminds us of opening packs in 19, in the early eighties. So it's uh, it's really personal taste. So, but yeah, I think we're going to see that happen. Um, this, this Facebook user whose name is unknown to me says, curious to know what the three of you feel would be the two through five cards that would fetch the highest value after this Gretzky. So that's a tough question. Cause that could mean many things. Is it like with specific copies of which cards, or is it just in general, what cards would be the, the next most valuable in hockey? I'm just going to run with it and say, you know, you got the Bobby or rookie, you got the Gordy, which is 1966 tops. You got the 1951 Parkers, Maurice, uh, Maurice Richard and Gordy Howe. Yeah. And, and after that, you've got the 1958 tops, Bobby Hull, which is number 66 in the set, the last card in the set, notoriously damaged from elastic bands and notoriously off-centered, so a very tough card. And after that, there's a whole bunch of cards that could come into play, depending on the grade. You guys uh, you guys aligned or anything? Any other cards you want to throw into that discussion? I concur. I think um, in the modern way, you, you might see some cards uh, start making some noise, uh, but those cards are not very uh, uh, liquid in a sense or high volume, so you don't see a lot of sales on eBay or anything. But what I'm talking about like the one-on-one McDavid Shield or the Ovechkin Shield, Crosby Shield, because there are six-figure sales of those cards. And you're right. You know, you're, you're, when I say you're right, it's simply because we have evidence in terms of the basketball market, which seems to always be a little bit ahead or a lot ahead of the hockey market. And in the basketball market, it's two modern day cards. And by modern day, we're talking about a 2003 LeBron James rookie, rookie patch auto out of 23 that sold for one point, I forget the exact number, 1.8 million or so. And then we saw the, the Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, logo man card that sold for 1.9 million, both by golden auctions, both this past summer. So, I mean, those are modern day cards that sold for, you know, almost 2 million US dollars why wouldn't the top players in hockey who are, at, you know, as spectacular relative to their peers as these guys are, I believe in, you know, you got your Sidney Crosby, you got your Alexander Ovechkin, and you got your your Connor McDavid, who seems to be, you know, if he wins a Stanley Cup, at least, will enter that realm. Hope, well, I think a lot of people are hopeful that he will. Time will tell. Okay, I think we're good on that one. Thank you, uh, anonymous Facebook user, for that. Amit says, I'm happy to see this happen in hockey and see the ice goat get his due, prism schmism. <laughs> David Kaplan, who was my guest on After Hours last week, says, in hockey, vintage isn't always king. The McDavid RPA is worth a lot more than many vintage RCs, including a PSA 10 Mario Lemieux. And, and that's a pop, that's driven by population and print run, right? That's, that's what that is. The, the comparable card to the Wayne Gretzky would be the Young Guns in my opinion, because the Young Guns is the everyday rookie card out of Upper Deck Series 1 versus the Opeachy Gretzky, which was the everyday rookie card and the only rookie card out of the, the, the only issue that we had back then, or one of two. Bobby, did you want to jump in? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, I know you said one uh, one time that, you know, we can't compare errors for stars. And, you know, it's true. You know, today they have nutritionists and all these other things. And back then they didn't have ate a steak before dinner kind of thing. And I think that goes with cards, too. You know, uh, we're talking about cards that survive the test of time, the age of innocence, opposed to today where, you know, everything's cut perfectly. And, you know, I watched that Panini video uh, just the other day and it was just like, oh, you know, so everything's like perfectly lined up. Back then, Opeachy, they were just shoving stuff through. And, you know, so 
there's a little difference in there. I, I don't think financially will it make a difference. I don't know. But I'm just saying just that survival rate um, in condition wise, I think will always somewhat dominate. But I might be wrong. Uh, Karin? No, really good. I know point. pretty good with that stuff. He's so. Well, really good point. I'm glad you raised it. Um, and I would think that maybe the maybe the equalizing factor there is that there were a lot more Gretzky rookies printed in whatever condition out right out of the factory than there were Sidney Crosby young guns, let's say, or Connor McDavid young guy. Now, I don't have the numbers, but that's kind of what what my understanding would be or what I perceive the hobby's understanding to be. Um, sure. But feel free to contradict me because I really don't know. I'm just going by feel there. Karn, anything to add to this? Yeah, I think you guys raise a solid point. With uh, modern cards, it's manufactured uh, scarcity, right? Um, it's the other 99 that uh, create value because there's only 99 out there. That being said, do I see Crosby RPAs hitting six figures in the next auction that goes up? Yeah, Ovechkin, um, McDavid. Yeah, those guys are probably going to get near that uh, six-figure number. So based on a purely um, value aspect of things, they're going to get there just because of that manufactured scarcity. Uh, and then I like that uh, point on the the young guns as well. I think the young guns, Crosby, for example, is the comparison to that uh, Gretzky, uh, um, Gretzky OPG. And uh, the Gretzky OPG, it's true. Um, no one took care of those cards. And Crosby, more so they did. So you're going to see a little bit higher grades in those Crosby Young Guns. Will will a regular BGS 9.5 ever hit 100K? Highly doubt that. But uh, you never know on uh, something like a BGS 10 or a Black Label or something like that. And the reason why it might not is because we have higher we, we have higher price point rookie cards available for those players, like the Cup, which is the one we've been talking about when we're talking about these cards out of 99. Okay. Mark Jacob says, to invest in Gretzky Opichi, would you buy one copy of the highest grade you can afford or multiple lower grades? Hey, that's a great question, and it really depends what you want. I, I, I come, I've always received the advice, buy the best you can afford, which I've always found weird because, you know, the best you can afford might be, might be this much, but then you can't buy any other cards after that. You know what I mean? So how many cards do you want to own really is what it comes down to. Um, you can't, the, I think the bottom line and Terry Fortune will back me on this. You can't go wrong buying any Gretzky rookie. So buy the one that fits the price point you want to spend. I think that's the best, uh, the best advice there. And, and if you want to go all out and buy the one copy, that's the nicest possible, go and do it really. Okay. Let's keep running through here. Are there any BGS 10 pristine or 10 black label Gretzky rookies? The answer is, uh, there is one BVG 10 uh, Gretzky rookie, but and, and keep in mind, you said BGS 10 here, Oz Cardat. When Beckett grades vintage cards, they change the label from BGS to BVG. Okay, David Weir says, Yes, magically cut from a sheet in the last five years and graded by BGS. I think that was talking about a Bobby Orr BGS 10. Bruce Findlay in the house, welcome, Bruce. Says, Forgot to stream yard earlier. There you go, it was my C55. Okay, we'll always talk about PS, we always talk about PSA, but will this push BGS values up too? Yeah, I think it's going to push up all Gretzky rookies. How close to PSA? It's. I think the. I think. I think the difference will remain the same. It might even. It, it might, the gap might even get larger now because those weren't BGS or Beckett copies that sold. Those are PSA copies, and that's what's getting the news. The, the news uh, attention right now. So, I think that's uh, that's where it is. Um, Salty Gamer says MNT, another grading company, a Canadian grading company, seems to be doing well. Would it be okay to send my Lemieux to them, or better to go to PSA? Really depends what you're doing. Uh, if you're looking to maximize your value, uh, you're better to go to PSA. That that's just the way it is right now until MNT can actually 
get any significant market share, I would, I would, I would think. Tim says, this is sure to boost the prices of Brent and Keith Gretzky record cards too. Yeah, the one or two they each have, for sure. Is, BB, is BVG 10 considered equivalent to PSA 10? It's actually considered to be better condition than PSA 10. It's much rarer. And uh, I think most people consider a PSA 10 to be more equivalent to a BGS 9.5. Terry Fortune says, tops are tougher to find in Canada. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. And I wonder how prevalent they are in the U.S., Amit says, Bobby, do any of the old printing presses still exist? Have you seen one in person? That's a neat question. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I don't know of any uh, that I think all everything was dismantled and um, and upgraded and it just kind of went, you know, out the pasture. I, I don't think anything was really kept. Um, it was old machinery. It was all full of. Uh, cornstarch, nothing really. They didn't care about anything. They just got rid of everything at that point. I've never heard. Well, they they opened a new Opeachy plant in 1989. So uh, when they moved, I'm sure there was a, a transition there of uh, new equipment, new machinery. And uh, I don't think anything was left over from the old Opeachy company. I think junk it just yard. Yeah, junk junk. for sure junk. But boy, that would I'd say me. recycling, but I don't think they have it back then. But I mean, you know. I don't and Bobby. Know. As yeah. you know, as you know, if you had that, I'd buy it off you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true enough, right? Matt Chang makes a comment. It's a bit long, but he basically says that a lot of the vintage stuff sells privately and we don't even find out about it. Hockey Hockey says, I think a valuable base card is cooler than a rookie patch auto or a, or a serially uh, numbered card, I believe. Yeah, serially numbered card. And hey, that's the beautiful thing about this hobby, Hockey Hockey, and everybody watching. We all approach it in our own unique way. No two collectors are the same. So all the power to you. We just have to be open-minded and uh, and accepting towards everybody in this hobby. Eli says, can't owners submit their PSA 9s for a second opinion without having to crack the cards out? Not a cheap service on high-end cards, but could be worth it. It could be. I always wonder, though, when you you're sending back the same card to the same company that graded it, what are the chances they're going to go against their original opinion? I'm sure it happens, but is it is it one in 25 times, one in 100, or one in a thousand, or one in ten thousand? Who knows? I have to hear that they were wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's tough to think that they would do that, but you know, you hear people that I've heard people say, you just send it in, send it in, send it in until you get the grade you want. So. You know, people have sent in the same card multiple times, which speaks to what Bobby was saying earlier that, you know, these population reports might be 30% over overstated. We won't, we'll never know. Nobody knows that. Now it's like, it's like knowing how many grains of sand there are on earth. Nobody knows. Charles Card says, very true, Terry. That goes for any tops in Canada, just that it's tough to find. Yep. Jeff Proctor, I've seen some really nice Gretzky and KSA holders. I wonder if those have a chance to cross if truly based on the card, which I know is not always the case. And I mean, it just, you got to look at the card and decide for yourself if you think that it's worthy of taking out of the holder it's in and, and swapping it over. And you have to be prepared to lose grade points. I have crossed over not a ton, maybe a dozen cards from KSA to PSA. And I've lost a, about two grade points on average on all of them. Yeah. I've lost three sometimes. I've lost one. I've lost two. Two would be that middle number though. So um, I've never crossed over direct personally but i've heard people that have so it just really depends on the card of course and everything else that goes into the fact that humans are the ones that are grading cards 
Uh, yeah, Charles Cards talks about the unscratched 8081s that I referred to earlier. So 8081 set had the key cards in this set. This is the second year Gretzky. It's the Raymond Bork rookie, the Mark Messier rookie. Those are the key cards. And the cool thing is there was like a lottery, like a scratch off lottery. There was a, an area where you'd scratch off to see the player's name. So most kids scratched that off back in the early 80s. And I think that those cards, that particular year of Topps cards are very undervalued because they are very cool. I don't own any. I want to, I want to, but they're very hard to find in good condition and I'm sure they're only going to get more expensive. So uh, good luck to anybody or congratulations to people that have those. Uh, you guys have any, I mean, I've been doing a lot of talking here for the last 10 minutes. Anyone have any uh, between Karn and Bobby? Karn, you got anything to add to any of this stuff right now? Yeah, I actually uh, don't know much about the 8081 uh, top set. So I'll, I'll look into that. That's pretty cool. Good. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. Oz Cardet says, hopefully Nat Turner. Nat Turner is a gentleman that is uh, sort of, I think, heading up this investment group that recently recently purchased PSA's parent company, Collectors Universe. Uh, hopefully Nat Turner can do something to better record and track resubmissions moving forward. How do you do that, though, if I crack it out and send it in? The whole point is to not let PSA know what they previously <laughs> graded it. So I don't know. I don't know how you do that, but it would be nice if uh, if it was possible. David Kaplan says Gretzky PSA base prices are up already, but that could change in a couple of weeks or months. Of course, it's always we're in a volatile market. Charles says the sad truth is most KSA Gretzky's in an eight or higher have been sheet cut. And what we mean by sheet cut is and like we showed on the picture earlier, all all cards are sheet cut. Let's just get that straight. All cards are sheet cut. Technically speaking, they all come from sheets. But when we talk, when, but the term sheet cut is generally thought to mean cut by somebody other than the company that manufactured them and cut and, and they were not inserted into packs. So they were cut many years later and they were not pack pulled. To me, a sheet, when we say sheet cut, I'm, I think to myself, not pack pulled, cut cut down from the from an original sheet, but way later. So the card is still legit. The, the card was still produced and printed when it should have been. They they had uncut sheets that they never ended up cutting and putting into cards. Collectors got them. Collectors cut them. Well, collectors, dealers, whoever, cut them themselves, submit them for grading. And PSA, if they can detect it, has a policy that they will not grade what they deem to be one of these sheet cut cards or what I call non-pack pulled, whereas Beckett has been known to do that. And when I had the, the Jeremy Murray, who is the VP of grading at Beckett Grading, he came on the show and he, he said that back at the beginning of the time, they made the decision not to mark it on the label of Beckett that the card was sheet cut. He wishes they could go back and do that, but hey, that's many years ago. So you know, they're aware that they do that. And hey, the card is still legit, right? The card still came from the factory at that time. It was just cut later. Bobby, you're, you're chomping at the bit. Yeah, vintage Opeachy fact, which um, um, on your birthday, Opeachy would allow you to take a gum box home and an uncut sheet if you wanted oh. to. And that goes back to the uh, mid-70s to the early 80s, if I remember correctly from what people have told me, our past uh, employees have told me. Um, so, you know, when something is cut after or post-production, uh, it can't be the same because you can't influx technology of today from back then. It just it, it doesn't work. It's not fair. It's not fair. 
And, uh, you know, oh, okay, Beckett does it. We, we understand that. Uh, PSA doesn't, which is great. I, I think that's, um, that's fair. And most of the other companies generally don't know for the most part, I think. I, you know, I don't think they really care or anybody really uh, notices. So I, I really think that it is important that if you trim it today, opposed to uh, the original time that it was trimmed, uh, I, I don't think it's fair in that sense of grading. I'm with you, Bobby. I trim trim to me means something different in the hobby. It means you're cut, taking sorry. a great cut. Let's use cut when we talk cut, about right. that. <laughs> yeah, um, trim is different or different, sure. And and I really, I really love that you said that, Bobby, because I agree today's technology on yesterday's cards, it's it's not really fair. And and that's what people don't like. I am a purist in that every card in my collection that you could have had out of a pack i want my copy to have come out of a out of a wax pack or you know if we're talking about the the 80s and previous so that's certainly my position all right good stuff there great uh, great comment everybody bruce findley says does anyone know the print run of opichi versus tops that would affect people's views on rarity too i agree it certainly would i don't think we have any clue do we have any gut feel bobby for the ratio though uh, you know, tops came out before Opeachy, and a lot of times, uh, most people don't know in the in the seventies that uh, tops would um, or people would import uh, stuff from uh, wholesalers from uh, from tops, and they'd be selling in October and November uh, tops cards in their uh, in their uh, variety stores, and it wasn't Opeachy at that time, and it wasn't until January first Opeachy released their cards every time always it was never past that they always waited for trades uh so i would say that uh you know peachy you know they waited uh to the right time to to release the cards and they always had a bigger set and, uh, you know I just yeah i think the best indication we have are these population reports bruce and everybody else out there and you know i i i read them off earlier i know we've got people coming and going during the this show but if you look at the population report uh on op on on PSA and Beckett's websites, you'll see that they're not far off the total amount graded of Opeachy versus Tops. Total graded Opeachy, 6,688. Total graded uh, Tops copies, 7,108. And then from Beckett, 3,860 Opeachy versus uh, 3,696 copies of Tops. So you add those together, you're only a couple hundred different at around the 10,000 uh, mark. So it's like, what what is that two percent like it's barely different in the population what really exists out there we'll never know but i think that's that's the that's all we have to go on and that's really good information so tops isn't that much more uh available than the opg just no if you consider that uh, we're 10% of the United States and they would do 10% of the production of baseball, comparatively speaking, I would think that the OPG and Tops are pretty equal. Yeah. And based on what the card sold for last night, makes me think the Tops <laughs> went for a bit of a steal. Yes. <laughs> Karn mentioned earlier that it was about a 25% difference. And, and you know, I know that was quick math, 720,000 versus 1290. So it's a bit, it's more like 3540, but... It should be closer to what Karn said, around 25, even 20. Yeah. That that card, maybe someone got a steal on the tops card last night. I mean, steal's a big steal's a funny word to put out there when we're talking about three quarters of a million US dollars or 915 Canadian. All right, let's go I, to the next comment. Ryan O'Hara. 
Interesting comments on the Opeachy versus Tops. The internet has always said Opeachy all the way, but never made much sense to me. And that's simply, Ryan, because thought to be printed in less quantity because it was a Canadian distribution versus Tops in the US. But as Bobby just said, 10% hockey versus baseball for Tops was, I, I guess, the feel for what the print runs were back then. So we really know, is, is has this been just something that we've been wrong about all this time? Tough to say. One thing you do know is market availability. If you go on eBay, you'll see a lot more tops in OPG, which I always find interesting. So even though they're just as rare as each other, the market obviously wants OPG more. And you're right that uh, it is a function of the internet and social circles saying that OPG is rarer or the OPG first print is the the blue line, you know, those type of things have an effect on the market, no matter how false they are. It's kind of, it's kind of funny to, to observe. So, yeah. right. Similar, similar sort of uh, thing, similar to the whole first print, second print thing, right? It's really old wives tales type of thing, if you will. Reppin Rajon Rondo says, is it just me or since we do not have print runs for young guns coming out and the popularity of cards is at an all time high, these print runs will be quite high. Uh, who knows? Print, print runs are, you know, I think what's going to happen is the card companies, both Panini and Upper Deck and Tops for Baseball, they're going to print more now because the there's the market side, the customer base is larger. Why wouldn't they? It, it, it doesn't. These are we have to remember these are businesses. Their business is printing cards and making money, making money for their shareholders, for their owners. So they have to they have staff, they have to pay rent, they they have to you know they have expenses. These companies are in business to make money. I'm not saying, hey, go print billions and billions of them. I'm saying, of course, there's going to be more as the as the market gets bigger. Goes on to say, would it be wise wiser to grab others such as Fleer Ultras that are serially numbered, even if they are to $5.99? I think it does. I think it is wiser to buy a, 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 a Fleer Ultra rookie of Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid versus their young guns because they are numbered to $5.99. That's way less than the young than the young gun copy. I think the cocky market is just lagging behind. Boy, I don't want to say in sophistication because that's an insult to the market, but lagging behind in recognizing that there is value in cards other than young guns. Karn, what do you think of that? Because you, you keep your, your finger on the pulse of this kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of like always my main point um, when I'm uh, commenting on uh, Facebook posts all the time. I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to make the hockey market uh, like those cards more like the inserts the the out of tens the out of fives the ones that are much rarer that look a lot cooler um i think it's just a function of how much money is in the market right um when there's little less money in the market it just goes and funnels into young guns the cop and the ice and the future watch autos basically that's pretty much where all the money is and there just isn't enough money to go to those insert cards so hopefully eventually uh as more people come into hockey cards americans whoever it is you're going to see more money come in and inserts are going to start gaining prominence and hopefully that starts with the new clear metal that comes out because that's uh, the new clear metal that's a soft spot for me one other one other technicality in all this is that the, the series one young guns they come out in the middle of November. You don't see these other products coming out until later. So there, it's the first rookie. People want what's they want the first rookie because it's the first of op, the first opportunity they have to get a rookie card of a guy like Alexis Lafreniere, whose just rookie card just came out a month ago, and the hobby's going crazy for it. We're seeing all sorts of non-traditional hockey collectors busting series one looking for that young guns and it's going to be a great card if he'd be if he's the player we all think he'll be 
but there are better cards to come. Not better, rarer cards to come, let's put it that way. Because what every the reason why young guns are valuable is because it's the every man's rookie card. It's it comes out of a, the cheap, a cheap pack or a relatively cheap pack. And it's it's just the one that's it's got that brand equity. Young guns have been that young guns label has been around since 1990-91 with the Sergei Fedorov and the was it was Pavel Bure in the young guns that year? He might have been in the Russia, but you know, that Sergei Fedorov was the first young gun card that really blew the hobby up off its feet. So all right. Oscar Dad says Rondo, I always try to collect serial numbered if I can. Smart move. Dave Kaplan says, but theoretically a BGS95 is equivalent at least to a PSA9. So that's used the pop report as well. Card art says November 12th, PWCC sold a PSA Opichi Gretzky 9 for a best offer of 75000 US. Well bought. Yeah, that's looking great right now. I think that's well bought because that was high at the time, but right now at the time, a month ago, but right now, um, I think that guy's not going to lose any money. I don't know how much. I don't. If they were to flip it today, I don't know how much more they get for it. Karn has a buddy who's been getting offers for his nines. I don't know what those offers have been, but Karn, do you know? Can you tell us what what what? Uh, yeah, higher than that. Not higher than that. Not a lot higher, but higher. Not a lot, but but a bit. There you go. So yeah, and and we really need to see a PSA nine Opichi end at auction at at traditional auction, whether it's an, an eBay PWCC Probstein or someone else with a, a big following or or a Golden Heritage, uh, one of those guys, Mile High, someone like that, classic, that kind of thing. Jeff Proctor says there's a nine at Heritage closing tonight. Currently at 78K. We'll see what that goes for. There you go. There you go. We're going to find out very quickly. Peeps, welcome to the show. Peeps says vintage stickers, especially in soccer, hold tons of value due to poor survival rate. Yeah authentic scarcity it's funny because uh karn used the term manufactured scarcity earlier bobby's eyes lit up and i remember bobby coming to my booth at expo 10 years ago looking at my showcase filled with modern cards and saying to me yeah but it's manufactured scarcity and i took that term with me so bob in my mind bobby coined that term even though i'm sure uh, just just in my world he coined that term anyway <laughs> Uh, Oscar Dad goes on. A question for the quests. Are there any known XRC Gretzkys in the mold of Michael Jordan and the star card? <sighs> There's one of those big, I forget what it's called, that big card uh, out of Finland or something like that. I, I don't know what it's called. It's not, it's not very pleasing to look at. It's kind of ugly, if you ask me. Um, but there is something like that out there. I forget what it's called. I'm sure someone in the in the in the crowd in the chat can let us know what that was goes on right one second. Yeah. no problem goes on to say vintage hockey stickers seem very undervalued to me hat tricks heroes says hey guys that psa 10 is sure a turning and topic point it seems awesome thanks for sharing thoughts yeah you're welcome thanks for tuning in peeps loves the show thank you peeps hey i'll take a second while bobby took a time out if you're new to the sports cards live show thanks for joining us please subscribe to the channel on youtube lots of videos coming great interviews on the regular, Karn's enjoying a Heineken right now. I love it. Uh, please subscribe. Hit the thumbs up button if you've enjoyed this episode. Hit the thumbs up button if you have not enjoyed this episode. It's as important to me uh, either way. Amara says, I know it's low end, but are Crosby Ovechkin power play redemption cards worth picking up in PSA 10? That's like the lowest of the low end as far as their rookie cards, I believe. Um, worth picking up. You know, if if that's where you're at, Grab one if you want to have a piece of these players, and that's kind of the price point that you're playing in. Maybe you have no choice. Maybe that's where you got to be. Nothing wrong with it. 
they will, I believe, go up in value with the rest of the hobby. I won't say go up in value. They will follow the trends of the with the rest of the hobby. Go up, go down, whatever it may be. And you know, the the uh, the magnitude of those changes will likely be softer, so maybe more easier to uh, to to palette than you know bigger swings on bigger cards. Dave Weir says, "Will people cross over more BGS BVG to POPGPS uh, to?" RC's the PSA. I think they will. I think they will. Great. Here is a question for you, Bobby. Yep. What what does Opichi mean? Uh, Opichi is the is the Indian word for bird. Bird. Robin, Robin actually. Robin. Yep. Okay. So well, actually, if you look on um, some of the twenties uh, um, in 1911, Opichi started, uh, but in the twenties um, they had a bird logo on a robin logo on all their packaging and that was the you know predecessor to the opg logo so and i think they're uh uh i think it's the mcdermott's their um their summer home was called opg okay so it's like naming your boat after your company or something like that. okay mark Jake, mark jacob says would you submit in ksa slab or take it out and send it raw i would take it out and send it raw I, I don't see PSA ever wanting to agree to, to put out there that they agree with what uh, KSA uh, deems a card's condition to be, but that's just my thought. Bobby? I always have somebody look at the, uh, a few people look at your card before you send it to PSA, if it came out from uh, any of the other grading companies, uh, just to, you know, double check. It's, yep. it's not to say that any other company is worse or just, it's it's always good to have a second opinion, you know. Um, you know, you think I document everything myself. It's uh, there's a I'm the hobby sponge, so I I can I, I, you know talk to other people and they give me information and I, I share that information and 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 very much the same. We always have to rely on each other in this hobby, and that's why the hobby is a group of uh, people that come together. And it never hurts to ask anybody. Don't be ashamed to ask anybody. What do you think this grade is? You know, everybody's always got an opinion. That's for sure. But uh, it's always good to to have a second or third or fourth opinion. And uh, we're all here for that. Just, I will say, just please don't ask me on Facebook what I think a card will grade because, <laughs> but if you want me to ask you what, if you want me to tell you what I think a card will grade, I need, I got to see it in hand. I, I can't grade a card without my loop and flashlight. So I don't know how so many people do it on the internet, but they do. Uh, Terry corrects me and says, there's no Messier in the 8081 top set. Terry, that's, that would explain why I haven't been able to find one. That would explain that. And yes, it is a very underrated set. It's the one. It's a nice, nice year of top set. Yeah, Bobby. Yeah, I think that's why the top sets are less strong because so PG had three hundred ninety six, where top set two hundred sixty four cards. You know, they waited for the trades, but they also had that many more cards, and uh, that is the, uh, I guess, the shortcoming of tops in the collectability sense. You know, where people want a complete set opposed to, you know, two sixty four is okay, but three ninety six, especially with baseball seven hundred, like in something, whatever. So, you know, back in those days. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Shukin reminds us it's, and this is the 79 sports caster. That's that sort of XRC. I think that we were talking about before uh, he says, how do you think those will be affected? I mean, to me, they're non-design to me. They're, this is my personal opinion, my collecting opinion. I have zero interest in either the sports caster, the Oilers postcards, the red rooster, the Edmonton mall. To me, those are just gimmicky and they're not even cards in my, they're not, they, they're just not, what I collect personally, but I know people love them and that's, that's well and good. 
Yeah, the uh, sportscaster came out in different languages. You can find the Swedish version or the other versions uh, from other countries. They're, they're worth quite a bit of money, um, respectively. But I don't think it'll affect Wayne. I don't think it'll affect uh, the price of those. I think you're kind of slumming it down there at the bottom end of things, uh, thinking that a PSA one's really going to go up that much more. It's sort of, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of, food issue and what have you i think that the, it'll give more recognition to hockey in general i think some values may come up but those will be marginal okay patrick heroes with the psa 10 cracking over a million in a single card sale do you think this will affect prices of grading heading into the future of submitting i don't think this one card sale is going to impact uh the the rates that they charge Patty Black says, why hasn't PSA opened up shop in Canada? Thoughts? Simply because international business can be tough. And uh, I, I don't, don't think they feel the need to do it. They're in the biggest market there is in sports cards. And um, Canadians are still finding a way to get their cards down there. So I think that's all it is. Hopefully one day they will. Chi-Town Hustler, laser cut is a better term than sheet cut. All cards are sheet cut. This is a great point because I have a question. Is there such a thing as laser cutting? Would that not leave some sort of brownish mark on the card? There's no lasers that cut anything. There you go. Laser no cut is electric a laser, that red laser that goes, you know, you're watching too many uh, AFX uh, things. <laughs> really what the laser does, it actually centers perfectly. And then it goes through the cutting process of a, a regular cutting blade. Um, so there is no laser uh, uh, cutting um, to this age and degree that i that we're living in right now not to say that that won't happen in a few years but you know laser is not it no not it. it's just laser cutting. but measuring is important you know that's uh and that is perfectly centered and everything that's really important and that's what the laser does my understanding is the cards that are cut from the sheets post-production are cut with like an exacto knife and a real sturdy yeah. hand and that kind of thing no do you think they're a guillotine or what Oh no no no! They're they're put through a process. Um, there's larger uh, uh, companies out there that do uh, uh, major uh, printing of advertising sheets and all these other things. Those those guys are right on. They have the measurement. They have the laser measurements, and those okay. guys, they send them a lot to their. I used to work at a printing company when I was a kid, and uh, that was a long time ago though. You know, that was before Gretzky. Anyways. Um, but even back then, they had it precise, and uh, and that's the way it is today. Okay. Salty Gamer says, I don't know enough about grading to tell if my vintage cards are worth sending off. Is there somewhere in Canada you can get pre-grading done? Yeah. If you have a Facebook account, there's a million people that'll tell you what grade your cards are in. Uh, but to answer the question seriously, I'm just not sure. Uh, Charles Cards, a lot of years like that, for example, 8990 Tops is far more rare than Opeachy. The car, yeah, the card world is one strange place. Salty Gamer, if you have an Instagram, message me there. Happy to help you. That's nice to you, Charles. Opeachy cards do seem a bit sharper um, in terms of what I wonder, because usually the, the edges are not sharper, but maybe you, by sharp, you mean you like them better, which would be totally uh, your prerogative, of course. B-Roy, true or not, you hear rumors on, or theories on scarcity enough, and people begin to believe it is truth. Damn straight, B-Roy, damn straight. Bruce Findlay, I prefer the card feel of Opeachy versus Tops personally, but I like your guys' views on market value for Tops. Great, great insights. I yeah, right. There is a different feel, feel to the card. It is a little bit different. The card stock is just a bit different, and the Opeachy card, it's a bit brighter. The back, especially the back of the card, is brighter on all years of uh, like all through the '70s and '80s, where the Tops is a little bit more 
just a little bit more depressing looking, if you will, on the back, but still beautiful cards. Rep and Rajon, you're welcome for the insights. Thank you for tuning in. Rod Jameson, I have over 10,000 young guns from 1516 to 17, have many more printed than others from the last five years. I don't know if that's a question, Rod, but I think as the as the market gets bigger, the print runs follow that trend as is just what you, you have to expect in this hobby. Who else do you see jumping in value? Dryden's, Mario 10's. Yeah, we talked about that earlier. I think everybody, I think this, we think we think that this these sales are going to follow that whole thing of a rising tide floats all boats sort of thing. So yeah, most likely young guns are equal to rated rookie. Not far off, not far off. Oscar Dad says, I think inserts will gain popularity if you get more collectors crossing over to hockey from other sports. 90s basketball and inserts are very similar in a lot of sets. Well, Oscar Dad, you and I think a lot alike because I believe that to be completely true. And I think that we now have Upper Deck putting out in April a set called Skybox Metal Universe. And I think this is going to be a a set of cards that is going to be critical in terms of bringing more non-hockey collectors over to hockey. And I think it's going to be successful. I, I know that there's already people talking about it. So yeah, you're, you're, you're right about that. And that's the kind of stuff that I love to collect. We got now, okay, so now I know how far behind we are because Earl Strohmeyer, sportscaster, <laughs> Ranchi, sportscaster, Terry Fortin, sportscaster, Tim, Chi-Town, Charles. Charles likes the, likes the, uh, the sportscaster. Eli. Everybody, okay, thanks, guys. Ryan O'Hara, thanks for the comment, buddy. Good to good to have you on. Lee Haskins says, I came late to the show. I found a Gretzky rookie card in an old shoebox. It looks very it looks in very good condition. What should I do with it? Send it to me, Lee. Send it to me. PSA is so backed up, I've been told to just wait. That's that's the approach I'm taking. I've got three or four hundred cards ready to go for grading. I'm just gonna wait till this whole pandemic thing is over. I can go to Chicago for the national and hand deliver them to PSA, some to BGS. Maybe some to the new CSG. Time will tell. Colin Murray. Basketball, I'm waiting to send in, but I just don't want to right now. Not yet. Wait. Colin Murray's uh, welcome to the show. Ryan Baldwin, giveaway, please. Daddy chill. Daddy chill. I don't know what that's about, but okay. <laughs> Rod Jameson, you can see some, you can see Brown on some Panini laser cut cards that have jerseys and patches. Is it, is it laser cut or is it no. residue? None of them are laser cut. None of them are laser cut. Yeah, I mean, I've been no, testing. It's a laser cut. Like I think where people are watching too much um, sci-fi, like that's it. Just doesn't uh, a laser doesn't cut cards. It, it just does not. Just it, does not. S- simple as that. And I mean, it just does not. It's uh, it's cutter. Watch the Panini video. It's actually you know they show it right there, and the guy's slicing them with the slitter, right there. Okay. Uh, Brian Balducci wants to know what are some good investment cards? I mean, there, there, there's tons, man. I don't think we're Gretzky, <laughs> Gretzky, Gretzky, Mary Lemieux, Patrick Waugh, Mark Messier, Raymond Bork, Mike Baugh. Ba- I mean, eh, eh, Hall of Famers. Just go look Bossy. at the who, hey, Bossy. I think Bossy's underrated, way, way underrated. What do you think, Kurt? I think it's he's too underrated. When someone's too underrated, uh, the demand just uh, lags behind as well, right? So I think he's way under. I think that's one of the next cards that will really shoot up because he was pure goal scorer. He was phenomenal. Like um, Gretzky, yeah, right there. If he had the team that Gretzky had, I think he would be right there too. Well, and don't forget, he he won four Stanley Cups in a row before Gretzky won a Stanley (laughs) Cup. I mean, he's got as many Cups as Wayne does. Um, Dexflow says, really starting to appreciate hockey cards from this stream. Awesome. We're we're, we're, We're helping build hockey up. I love it. Thank you, Dex. 
Nick, first time viewer, love the show. Thank you so much, Nick. Greatly appreciate it. Do you think Young Guns are good pickups or what other types of rookie cards do you like? Thanks. Thank you, Nick. I mean, we talked about it a few minutes ago. I think Young Gun is like, you know, it's it's kind of the card that everybody wants to have. I have key Young Guns in my personal collection, but they're not as important to me as my SP Authentic rookie card that's numbered out of 999 and autographed or say an Artifacts rookie card that's out of nine. Uh, well, those numbers move around, but say around a thousand, you can get some Flare Ultras that are out of 599 or 699. Young Guns are just more common. There are other options that are lower print run that I think in the long run are going to outperform the Young Guns. But demand is also highest for Young Guns. So tough to say, tough to say, but I would always go for rarity just as a general rule. Hockey fan loves the show. Thank you. Hockey fan loved, love having you. Facebook user says, what's your thoughts on the centering of the PSA 10 Gretzky? Less than 50-50. Those are my thoughts. But PSA on their website says that, a, that to get a PSA 10, you do not have to have perfect centering. There are, there are uh, allowances. And, you know, PSA 10 is not a flawless card. It might be. It might be. But there's different levels of 10s and there's different levels of 9s. So um, the centering on that card... You can just tell by looking at it, it is not absolutely perfect. It's a bit of a diamond cut, actually. You know? Bobby, I don't know if you're going to like this comment, but Chi-Town Hustler says you're wrong. There are laser cutters. There are laser cutters. So, I mean, let's get a, let, let, let's get a, some photo evidence. Some photo evidence. Please do. Um, James Bond Goldfinger PSA 10 laser cut. Okay. Patty Black, 7879 OPG, awful centering and cuts. Agree on the bossy, impossible to find centered. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I own a PSA 9. I love it. It's because uh, it's centered, and that year is notoriously off centered. Hey, Haskins, I have three partial sets of 79 Gretzky top sets. Do you think it's a good idea to try and finish them all out and sell as complete set? Is that set going to go up in value? I do not think so. I think that you're best off to just collect key cards within sets personally nobody nobody cares about the commons if they do they already have the set is what i think there may be a few people that don't but if you want a set of 7980 or tops you probably have it already and if you and if you don't you can find them on ebay all day long without the gretzky card because nobody wants it people just want the gretzky card so i wouldn't even bother wasting my time or my money but if you want it for yourself by all means collect what you like we all approach this hobby differently bob yeah, actually, um, you know, it's it's kind of funny in my uh, price guide. A lot of people said that, uh, well, the Gretzky set is worth, uh, or the uh, tops was set was worth four hundred and fifty, and the Gretzky was four hundred. They go, why do you only put fifty dollars on the rest of the set? I said, really, it's all about the Gretzky, uh, you know, the rest of it. I don't know how they price guides have ever done that over the years, but uh, it's interesting how they price the Gretzky and the rest of the set, especially with now PSA being there. And if you look at every card and then the shipping on eBay, every card's at least worth $3. So I, you know, I can't put the set at $1,400, $1,500 for a top 79. It's just, you know, and we're, we're juggling with, I don't even know how to even juggle it anymore. I'm actually in the process right now and I'm actually just past 79 um, in my, uh, uh, my new uh, website. And I was sitting there going, well, geez, you know, if I put the prices, I, I can, how much am I going to put the setup? And it's a juggling act. And, you know, uh, when you look at things, you know, unfortunately, it's the, the the stars, as Jeremy said, that are basically dominate the the whole set. The rest of it's almost on throw-in. Yeah. It, uh, PWC as well. Um, 
they actually encourage uh, people that are selling, uh, want to sell a set. So actually break, do, do a set break instead, because they have actually done a market analysis on how much more money you would get out of a complete set from an individual card being sold. And uh, the number they got was about 10, 15% more if you just sold them uh, separately. So it's always better to uh, either just sell the, the, the main cards, the key cards, rather than just the complete set. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. And, and you know, some years are different, though, right? Like if you look at 84, 85, OPG, for example, you've got like five really good, even six or seven. If you go down to like Andrew, Chuck and Barrasso, you've got like seven really good rookie cards in that set. But, Barbeek, you got, uh, you know, Chelios, you got that is my favorite set of all time. It's a beautiful set. Whereas seventy nine eighty, you got one good rookie card. I mean, Bobby Smith has a rookie card in there, but it, it, it very uh, few people. Who's next after that, what do you got? John Tanelli and uh, Charlie Simmer. Simmer? Charlie uh, Simmer and Tanelli. Tom Rowe, Larver. I don't know who else. Like, well, what you really have are the last cards of Bobby Hall and Gordy Howe. But even yeah. those cards, you know, even those cards are just not. They don't get the respect that you know the hobby's rookie driven. We all know that, and. Yeah. 7980 is a year that doesn't have many good rookies. It really has Wayne Gretzky has a in there. A lot of rookies, but just not a lot of good rookies. You're Barry right. Melrose is in there too. Morris Luke. Okay. There's some others, right? There's some others. Yeah. Um, okay, let's keep going here. Eric Perry says, as news of the Gretzky sale begins to spread, it will bring new collectors in the hockey card space. Do you envision this impacting modern and vintage equally? Cool question, Eric. God, that's a, I don't know. Equally? Karn, what do you think? You got your fingers on the pulse sort of of uh, the modern collector. Like I said earlier, um, there are funds that are honestly going after Gretzky rookie cards, right? And that's going to create a, a more spread of that knowledge of that Gretzky sale hitting more people because those funds want everyone to know that, oh, this PSA 10 Gretzky went for this much, so this PSA 9 should be that much. And that results in modern cards uh, also going up in price. Funds are looking at Sidney Crosby cards. They're looking at the vetching cards. And I, I know a lot of people don't like the fen, funds entering the space. It's just going to result in prices going up. But the facts are they are actually looking into the hockey card market equally. I'm not sure. But uh, in the in the sense of will this sale impact modern, for sure, 100%. What percentage do you think, Karn? I, I can't really – it's hard Come to – Come on. Let's something like uh, – I, I know for a fact that Sidney Crosby, Vetchkin, those type of those type of players, they're they're gonna see a price bump because of this sale for sure. But uh, other than that, I'm not sure. Is it gonna trickle down to a Patrick Kane, a Jonathan Taze? I've already heard people. If people have come and messaged me and said, "Look, Lafreniere is going for this much money. This is silly. Uh, I'm gonna go buy a Patrick Kane Young Guns exclusive because of that." And that's kind of the trickle down effect that we're going to see in a widespread. If more than one person does it, 10 people do it, 20 people do it, you're going to start seeing prices go up. So it's kind of the trickle down effect. Yeah, it makes no sense for an Alexis Lafreniere young gun to sell for the same raw to sell for the same price as a, Alex, a, 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 a Nathan McKinnon or a Kane or a Taves or a Carey Price. It just I makes no sense. Five times less. It was a high gloss, actually, five times less than the Lafreniere. So, yeah. That doesn't make much sense. Charles would love to see Pelly Lindbergh uh, go up in value. Unfortunately, he didn't play very long, like three seasons or so. So it'll be tough, but uh, it would be nice because he's got he's got, he's got a, a real sort of cult following. Um, Chai Down Hustler wants to let us know. Look up laser cutters on YouTube. There are some units for crafts. Very easy to program a straight line to trim cards. Grading companies know this exists on an industrial level. 
okay, so maybe we got to catch up on some things. No big, no big deal. Oz card dad. So are there no other cards of value from 79 Opeachy set? Like we just said, you know, sorry, I'm a bit behind in the comments, but yeah, there are some, but the Gretzky is like 95% of that set. Simple as that. Eric Perry makes a really good point here. Sets, building them is one of the most expensive ways to collect. Buying them already complete represents one of the best bargains in the hobby. If you want cards of common players, then yes, it does. But if you don't, I don't have the room for it personally, so I don't want sets. I want single cards that I can really enjoy having. Common player cards from miscellaneous 1970s, 1980s. I just, I, I'm not going to look at them and get happy from looking at them. So they don't, they don't, they don't do it for me. But again, you know, I just want to say, Bobby, one sec. I, I just want to say one sec, Bob, that we all, again, approach it in our own way. And I never want to tell you how you collect. It doesn't make sense. We all collect how we want. Collect what you like. Collect what you like. We'll say it over and over again. Sorry, Bobby. Well, didn't you, and uh, you said your vintage. What is your vintage when we were talking last time on the um, the, the podcast? You know, 82, 83. Isn't that set mean something to you because you opened it? It does, but I have no, in I only want the key cards. I have oh, no really? Oh, yeah. Don't need the set. Really? So even your team players, you wouldn't care about? Um, no, no. I now, I no, no. Fair no. Enough. That's it. I thought I would have thought opposite, but no. But all that said, several years ago, like 20, 15, 20 years ago, I went on eBay and I bought the Winnipeg Jets team set from every Opeachy set. <laughs> Lost track of them. I don't. I've now got the the rookie, everybody's rookie card graded, and I also have everybody's rookie card PSA DNA'd. I'm covered on my Winnipeg Jets 1.0 cards. I don't need the I don't need their second, third, fourth, fifth years, except for Dale Howarchuk. I have all of his cards uh, PSA'd as well. Yeah. Ron Burrell, is this a is this a, a a relative of Bobby? No, we're good friends though. Okay. Uh, well, hey Ron, welcome to the show. First time viewer, glad to have you. Really enjoying and learning at the same time. Thank you so much, Ron. And anyone who's new, please subscribe to the channel, hit that thumbs up video, all those good things. I come on regularly. We stream live, you know, at least once a week, most of the time twice, and uh, doing some short-form videos as well, and there will be more of those coming. Jeff McMahon says, Bossy, 560 goals over 10 seasons. I mean, I can do math pretty good in my head. That's 56 goals a season on average. That is spectacular. Trevor LeConte, good evening to you. Rep and Rajan, I just returned from watching a Panini manufacturing video, and it showed laser cutting for on-card cuts, but not for cutting them out of the sheets. Maybe it's for dot. Maybe it's for patch windows and that kind of thing, but not. I don't know. Anyway, we got to get to the bottom of this one uh, sooner or later. But uh, let, let's let's agree that we need to learn more about this and and do some more research. Oscar Dad, what are your guests' thoughts on the funds entering the hobby and would they ever invest in these? So we covered that a few minutes ago. Repping Rajon, wow, that's crazy, Jeff. What a boss he was. Yeah, bossy was the boss. Terry says the seventy nine eighty set has the last year of Holland Gordy Howe. That have some value. True, true. Lee Haskins, do you think hockey boxes will be valuable, like basketball boxes or singles in the hawk or are singles in hockey the way to go? Great question. I think we're gonna. I think hockey is gonna follow the basketball trend, and you're gonna see more unopened product have more value as time goes by on really good products. Upper Deck Series One. I don't know. I mean. I've got a box of series one up behind me. I don't know if you can see it. It's right there. That right there is a box of Crosby's year series one. I, you know, that box you could have had for 250 bucks a couple of years ago. One just sold the other day for seven or no, 920 us dollars, just like this past week. So, I mean, it's like a $1,200 box and it wasn't that long ago. So 
I think that, um, but singles are also the way to go, right? Singles on open. If you have to pick one, I mean, I go with singles. I'd, I'd much rather look at the cards than the packaging. Jeremy, Snap- have you ever had so many questions? This is like amazing. Uh, yeah, we've had some busy episodes, Bobby. We've had some busy episodes. SnapCX, first time viewer, thumbs up. Thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. Again, I, I appreciate all the viewers. We I just hit 1,650 subscribers like wow. the other day, and it's they're going up fast. So I just want to thank everybody who has subscribed. Thank everybody who's watching. I love doing this show. I have a I have so much fun. It's a rush for me. So I just want to thank everybody for coming on the ride and be, and being a part of the show because this show is nothing without the chat. And you guys make it so much fun. So thank you very much. And to all the people who are new, please come back. This is this is kind of the vibe in here uh, every Saturday night. Trevor LeConte, thoughts on Pasternak. Big Bruins fan here. Yeah, great player. Probably one of the better players in the league to uh, to be collecting or, dare I say, investing in right now. I, I would think. Karn, what do you think of Pasternak as a guy to invest in? I'm a Leafs fan, so can't say. Yeah. <laughs> Does the Leafs and the Bruins have a... Leafs and the Bruins have a pretty big rivalry, but take your emotions out of it, Karn, for one moment. Yeah, so I think uh, just generally speaking, I think that same little principle that I've been speaking about where people are starting to um, see where McDavid prices are and they're starting to look at, oh, other superstars in the league and Pasternak fits the bill. He's young, he's scoring lots of goals and they're starting to say a couple of years ago that card was very cheap and now it's starting to go up into the hundreds and I think that's just a, a function of where where the money is going and the McDavid's are going up, the Matthews are, Matthews are going up, so the Pasternak's are going to go up. And I think that's a, a, a good thing for the modern uh, hockey card market. Yeah, I'm a fan of his, uh, Trevor. And, you know, he, he's from the Czech Republic, just like Yaramir Jager is. Jager is like the second all-time leading scorer of all time. He's got huge hobby love. He's got personality. I don't know much about Pasternak's personality, but, you know, I kind of think of them, when I think of, of Pasternak, I almost think, and I know they're different players, but they have some similarities. I kind of think that Pasternak may, may, may follow the, the hobby trajectory that, that Jagger has. We'll see. Time will tell. I like that. I like that. So, uh, Mike makes a really good point here. Uh, 7980 technically has the last photo of Bobby Orr as well. He's in the Chicago team photo. That's I think I think this card just got more popular right now because I wasn't aware of that. And now I probably want one because I do have the Gordie Howe from that set. And maybe I want to pick up that Chicago team photo. Thank you for pointing that out, Mike. I do appreciate that. Charles says, guys, everyone is sleeping on unmarked 7980 checklist and the Oilers logo and the Winnipeg Jets logo team checklist, Charles. Don't forget about that. And Charles. And Charles is our 14-year-old vintage hockey collector. Let's let that be known. Oh, awesome. Uh, Darcy, welcome to the show, my friend. Says hello to Jeremy and friends. My question is to Jeremy: When do you think you will receive an Emmy for the show? It's fantastic. I don't know, man. Maybe it's in the mail. Who knows? Who knows? Thanks, Darcy. I appreciate it, buddy. B. Roy, tougher unopened boxes when there will be expired redemptions if you open. Yeah, that, that's definitely a drawback for all unopened wax, especially. Uh, I was going to say especially in hockey, but I, I shouldn't say that because I'm not sure what the redemption rate is like in in um, in basketball or football or or baseball. Mark says, do you think hockey has more upside than basketball, football? Great question. Well, hold on, Bobby. Hold on. Because you got to start. Where are we now compared to where basketball is? Basketball is here. Hockey's here. Can hockey, like, ah, I don't know. Rel- you know, Relatively speaking, I think hockey might have more po- more potential and opportunity. But the, the overall numbers are going to be much bigger for basketball. They're like 
10 times the size basically or 10 times the amount so potentially think, yes you're right the 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 range is definitely um uh, there for us you know but that's always the same with the second or third place down right or fourth place you know there's always room to grow up the the basketball is is at such an upper tier it's just it's phenomenal it's the monies are impressive um the cards are just going crazy I, I i just can't i can't even fathom what's going on with basketball i never thought it would surpass baseball but it did it, and and by a long shot like basketball by a long shot, yeah. by a long shot. My understanding from, again, having a, it was Jeremy Murray from Beckett told us that 60% of their business is basketball right now, or it was in like Q3 over, over Q, Q3 quarter over quarter. That's a big number for one sport. I mean, even when baseball was king, what was it? 40%, 50, maybe basketball is basketball is the bee's knees in this hobby right now. So that might represent opportunity for, uh, for hockey. Um, Nick, I love your comment. Thank you so much. How can you not subscribe if you saw these shows? Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Here's a question for Karn. What's your thoughts on soccer going up so fast and how and now cooling off? Do you think they will climb again? Yeah, I'm, I'm huge on soccer. Anyone that like uh, follows my group, uh, I've been buying soccer since last year. And the things it went so fast, uh, it went up so fast, so quickly, it went parabolic, really. So it was really expected that uh, prices were going to retrace uh, by a wide margin. But the way you have to look at it is that last year, the prices were uh, cards were dollars, two dollars, and now they're about a hundred. They went up to a thousand, but now they're about 200, 300. And I, I do believe that uh, as we get closer to the World Cup and Euros, things are going to start creeping up again. Hmm. Yeah, there's one thing to remember. I mean, we started the year here and we went up to here and then we some stuff has come down to here but we're still like we're still up we're still trending upwards we just hit a peak retracted back which i think is healthy and now we can start a steady climb again kind of on an overall basis i think so rep and rajon i'm a leafs fan in the boston area brutal that's too funny imagine charles says i don't know nick this show is my escape. Very well made. Thank you. Charles Lee Haskins. Love the hockey talk. Subscribed a few weeks ago. First live show. Well, welcome to the live league. Uh, great to have you. Oscar, does buying a share in high-end cards being bought on by the investment groups, interest hobby, Bob, interest Bobby or Karn, and would they invest by a share in these cards? So he's asking about the fractional ownership uh, business model that, or, or, or collecting slash investing model that we've recently seen this year. There's four or five companies doing it. You They buy a card for... $10,000 and they sell, they sell a thousand shares for $10 each or however they buy it. So the, to the question, Karn, Karn, you first, uh, does it interest you? Would you invest in these, uh, in these fractional ownership uh, offerings? I honestly, for me, it would be more so of a, of a fun thing to do. I'd probably just buy a couple of shares of some big cards, but I wouldn't be like expecting to make a lot of money from uh, owning a share in the card. And it, it also depends on how the platform is. If the platform is super intuitive where I can see like a digital portfolio of all the cards I own and all the shares, and it makes me feel like I own the card and uh, I can see it whenever I want to, that would make me want to buy more shares and bigger cards. Uh, so I think it's just how it's done. Um, but if it is done well, I, I probably would. How about you, Bobby? Are you any, any sort of uh, interest in this? What's going on with these fractional ownership uh, offerings? Well, you know, as a collector, no. Um, as an investor, I think we're all into investing, especially now. Um, I have uh, no qualms with uh, investing into something. I think it 
would probably work best in your interest. Um, no, no advice given to anybody. Don't please don't take my advice as anything uh, because I don't know too much about the new cards. Uh, I would say I would invest in higher risk items, you know, um, looking at rookies that might be coming up. Uh, otherwise, if you're going to go into a mantle, you're really going to want two, three, four percent. Like, you know, put your money in the bank. Keep it there. I think a good point is uh, what I uh, raise as well is that I want the intuitive platform. I want to collect the shares of the of the cards I'm buying into. Like uh, I want those pictures to be there. Yeah. I'm buying a Bobby Orr card or I'm buying a Mickey Mantle. I want to see those digitized pictures in my portfolio because it feels like I'm collecting them then, right? You're collecting the shares. I think that's kind of the aspect that I would like uh, in my platform of a share investment company. That's fine. I think what you're talking about almost, uh, Karn, is like the gamification of it, right? You want it, you want it, you want to feel like it's a bit of a game, and you're 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 getting points, and those shares are almost like points, maybe. Um, yeah. I'll answer the question too, though. Um, yeah, I I have no problem doing it. I would buy into every offering of a card that I thought was a cool card. Hundred bucks here, hundred bucks there, sure, but it would never replace my collecting of other. It would never take money away from other stuff that I would want to buy to own physically. So it would be supplementary. It would be in addition to, and it would never play, replace collecting cards themselves because I love my cards and I love being able to look at them every so often. Uh, Dave Weir says, Bobby loves 8485. What about 7172 Opeachy? Best rookie class ever? So, I mean, there's a few guys in there, but best ever. I, I can think of four. I don't know who else there is. I think it used to be the best ever. I think 7071 actually overtook that. And actually, that is the first year. I opened 6970 when I was a kid, but I really remember 7071 more than any other year. And, um, you know, we all have personal preferences. I know 70 in the, in the 70s, there was so many. Um, if I look through my files of uh, historical documentation, I think there is more issued in 1970, 71, and 72 than any other year ever issued. Um, um, the amount of promotions, the amount of cards, the amount of different uh, things that were out that year. Um, but so it was, it was the turning age. It was like the seventies where the, everything spun into uh, promotional items and, uh, and cards and everything exploded at that time. Um, uh, 70, 71 is my favorite year. Uh, you know, the flashbacks, I don't know if it looks really cool, but I just remember it. And you can't take that away from somebody. I think, you know, it's whatever Jeremy remembers 82, 83, you know, we all have different years that, uh, Karn probably has his age that when he grew up and opened up cards, we all have that personal thing that we really can't take away from somebody, you know, uh, I'm a little older and I remember cards, you know, we we're flicking checklists down the laneway because we didn't care because we. We already had it. We didn't care. That's why there were so much today. Yeah. I mean, to me, 8485 is uh is also one of the nicest sets ever. Best rookie class, tough to say, but 8485 is tough to beat. Okay, let's let's move along. Charles Cards, I'd argue 8485 is best for rookies. 71, 72 has a groovy 70s look. Oh, yeah. The one-two design is is absolutely uh iconic in my mind. So so if you haven't seen a 7172 OPG or tops card for hockey, go look at them. They're awesome. And some key rookies, Gila Fleur, Ken Dryden, Marcel Dion, uh, they're, they're the key guys in that set. Lee Haskins, what is your thought about the vintage hockey? I've been looking at early Gordie Howe cards. Yes, early Gordie Howe cards are good. My my, my uh, thoughts on early about vintage hockey is it's good stuff. I, I love it. Trevor LeConte, uh, not, is 900 a good price on an 0506 SP Authentic box? Would have to do some research. Not sure, Trevor, off the top of my head. Uh, Terry Fortune, Jeremy already got the Emmy. 
That Opichi bubble boy from Bobby, please reach out to me. If you ever come across another one, I would love to have that piece of history. And Bobby, if you ever come across another one. And, and, I have and, another. He has another. Okay, well, there you go. If it's for sale, maybe you want to talk. Terry, yeah. Terry's drooling right now. It's not. It's not, Terry. If you get another one, Bobby, Terry Terry would be a great guy to have one. Terry, you're right. Amara says, thanks, guys. Great insights. Great show. No better way to spend a Saturday night. Thank you so much for joining us. Friday, Colin, Colin Murray, Mario PSA 10, 44K with buyer's premium. Yeah. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah, 40, yeah, I was. I said 43.2 earlier. Yeah, crazy. Uh, Charles says, I'm always looking for his, I'm always looking for hobby history, like any 1997 KSA graded card or very early PSA stuff. The bubble boy is amazing. Darcy wants to know how far will McDavid go this year and the Oilers team guys who know that's so tough to say. I mean, this is going to be an interesting year, shortened season. Tough to say, Darcy. tough to say what McDavid is going to do this year. Peep says you fellas got any bricked up pack tragedy stories. Bricked up pack tragedy stories. Do you mean where the cards come out and they're stuck together kind of thing? I Oh, no, no, no. He means you put a card in one of those old, big, loose sight screw downs and you opened it up. I got one story. It was a 2000 and uh, Pavel Datsuk uh, Upper Deck Premier Collection card out of 199 or 250, something like that. I had it in a, I had it in a brick. I took it off and it took off some of the surface. Uh, I, was, I was devastated. Yeah, that's mine. Uh, B Roy fractional ownership is an interesting concept, but there's a lot to be said about having and holding the card in hand. Of course there is. That's why I said, it's not like if you're going to, if you're going to play in the fractional ownership game, don't let it take away from your actual collecting cards you hold in hand. It, it, to me, you know, unless you're a, you're not in the hobby, you're a pure investor. You don't want to play in the hobby. You do not want to play on eBay. You don't have time to go to card shows. Then it's perfect for you. You can do it on your phone and you can invest real money. So that, it's a great option for some people. I saw a guy on Instagram today said, it's stupid, it's stupid, it's stupid. It's not stupid. It's not stupid. It's just not for you, but it is for some people. Simple as that. For sure, B-Roy, especially for binder guys like me. Darcy says, what's the minimum McDavid oh, would have to go to keep his value up? Consistent. Just be consistent to keep what he's doing. And uh, if he's consistent, the hobby will continue to be enamored by him. Fowl five ball. You make learning about hockey cards fun. Thanks. Been collecting baseball for 35 years. Awesome fowl five ball. Well, it's part of what I want to do is help uh, bring hockey to the masses. Daniel, my man, says great show. Awesome guest. 7980 is the most beautiful set, in my opinion. Yeah, those blue, the blue bordered Gretzky cards. There's nothing else really like it, like that, you know? Like it's just a it's just an, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the or the TV the sixty six or yeah, which is very similar to the is it the sixty eight uh, tops baseball with the uh, Nolan Ryan rookies that sixty eight yeah sixty eight I think uh, it's also got a wood grain finish to it basically as well. Oh, getting seventy one black border too. So yeah, you've got all those. Yeah, yeah. Dave, Dana, sorry, Dana Mara's favorite is seventies with Perot, Sittler, Park, Clark rookies. Mike Truman's ninety ninety one is the greatest. There you go. That's he's right. Ninety ninety one is the best rookie class in and so, ninety. And 9192 isn't far behind in terms of the amount of Hall of Fame rookies in there. Unfortunately, it's junk wax era and not worth anything. But like like Bobby was saying before, you know, you're not even going to pay the shipping on these on a on a Timu Solani or a Peter Forsberg or a Nicholas Lidstrom or a Dominic Kasich rookie. These are all first class Hall of Famers. Oh, but here we go. Here's an B Roy reminds us 51 Parkhurst is a great rookie class as well. I mean, the key cards being Gordy Howe, Maurice Richard, Terry Sawchuk, then you got Red Kelly, Alex Delvecchio, Ted Lindsay. I mean, there's a few others in there too. 
but those well, cards were all defaulted because of the year they came out. Um, Say again? And, uh, those were all defaulted as rookies because of the year they came out. You know, Gordy House rookie was what, 45, 46? Uh, Richard, 46, uh, Sawchuck, 47, 48. You know, you have a lot of pre-rookie stuff going on there. Uh, so everybody became a rookie. Um, those cards, actually, they're probably one of my least favorite of all time. I'm, I'm just going to say in my personal opinion, because I'm very cartoonish. Uh, uh, Parker's premier issue. Um, they just didn't do a great job. Not until 1954 did, they, did Parker's really come in of age and start to produce really good cards, uh, just in my personal opinion. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the card itself for what it is, there's not much to them. But and the reason why they're, you know, you mentioned that you know all these guys had their rookie year in the in the in the NHL in earlier years, but it was wartime. There were no cards until 51-52, or aside from a cup, maybe the Laval Dairies or something like that. But there's not really much out there besides the Parkers. Lavar Laval was Parkers too, basically. They were tied right into them. Uh, it was actually Bedard and Donaldson. It wasn't Laval. And okay. Bedard and Donaldson has uh, got Parkers to print most of their stuff anyways for them. So, sorry, there's a little history in there. I yeah. Can get no. Let's go. <laughs> go okay. on. You sorry. are... You are the guy that know that, that 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 has gathered all this history, Bobby. So it's a it's always a good good to have you here to really round out the discussion. Uh, Terry wants you to stop teasing him with that extra bubble boy. Snaps the X reminds us: Neely Lafontaine, Chelios, Iserman, Doug Gilmore, Dave Andrews, Pat and the big card, the instant winner card, the instant winner. That that's a it tough one. Skates. That yeah. is huge. That's huge card. EMC7, what do you guys think of uh, basketball Hall of Famer, George Mikan, Kellogg Pep? It's small, slightly bigger than a stamp. I'm not familiar with it, but I would prefer personally his, is it a Gaudi rookie? I, what, what's his rookie? Is it? Uh, I think there's or, a. Or is it Bowman? Is I'm not sure. Uh, Mikan? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, um, Mikan is a, it's one of my favorite cards. Like, geez, like he's right up there. Will Chamberlain, him. You have so many good basketball players from that time period, man. You know, actually, I just picked up a 56 Parker's um, photo magic of uh, the Harlem Globetrotters playing in 1955 at Maple Leaf Gardens. That is such a rare card that nobody's really ever seen before. And, you know, this kind of stuff, does rarity overtake, uh, you know, star power? I don't know. But any which way, you know, I just had to show that. Oscar Dead says, when did hockey first have autograph cards, year and product? I mean, Ooh. early 1990s, there was a, I can't remember right now who it was, but, you know, Brett Hall or something like that in one of the hero sets, maybe. Someone will tell us in the chat. Zellers, Zellers come out, 93? Zellers? I'm not sure. I think we're looking for, like, you know, a licensed sort of uh, massly distributed sort of thing, I think. But Oscar Dad, I mean, here, happy to, to, to hear from the crowd what they think. Uh, J Tim's just curious on distribution in the early 80s. Were 7980 OPG available in U.S. cities at all, or would they just trickle over the border once they once they gain popularity? I believe it was like OPG in Canada tops in the States, and then anything that just traveled over. Uh, Bobby, any more insight into that? Uh, sure. You know, since 19, uh, since actually the mid, up around the mid 60s, there was a lot of companies in the, uh, along the U.S. border that would import um, 
OPG cards. So what happened, um, 1968 was the first time a Topps officially introduced cards. And actually what would happen is uh, they would issue the Topps cards and the second series with the OPG cards, which really you combined with the Topps of the OPG back then. So there's a lot of importers coming across the border and, and importing the, uh, the OPG uh, second series in because they were missing those cards from that set. So a lot of people who have blended sets, that's why you know 67, 68, 69, 70, all those are, or 68 up, sorry, um, have all blended sets uh, because there's a lot of importers right around Buffalo and New York and uh, Windsor. Border cities. Charles well, likes the 83, 84 most for just the Lindbergh. Here's a great question from uh, Oscar Dad. Uh, does it matter if McDavid never wins? It doesn't seem to affect Mike Trout. I think I think the answer to that lies in the fact that there's there's still hope and potential for both of these players to still win. And but if you look back at their careers and they didn't win, where are Mike Trout's cards going to land at that point? Right now, there's a lot of value baked into hope and potential, and um, and I think that 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 is the case for for. Um, for Connor McDavid, it's it's certainly the case for Alexis Lafreniere right now. So I think it will matter in the long run. In the short run, it does not matter as much. Behind the Tank says there was a 12-year gap between 39 and 51. Only Turk Broda has a regular-sized rookie card, but it's behind before 51-52. Lee Haskins, good grade. Crosby and Ovechkin cards are expensive. Are they good to buy now and keep long-term, even though they will not come close to Gretzky stats? I, I believe yes. I believe we 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 accept as a hobby that no one's going to come close to Gretzky stats. There's a lot of there's a lot of hype around Ovechkin um, catching up to his goals record, which is you know going to be tough to do, but it's 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 plausible. It's interesting. I just read this uh, earlier today or yesterday that if you take away Gretzky's goals and just leave his assists, he's he's still the highest point getter in NHL history. Take <laughs> out his what is it 892 goals or something? Take them out. He's still the highest point getter with 1,900 and something assists. So Wayne Gretzky is far and away, stats-wise, um, way ahead of the pack. He had a great team, though. Yeah. Ron Burrell mentions the 33-34. Yeah, those are some amazing sets filled with rookie cards. There's a few different sets from 33-34, and they are all beautiful. Uh, four sets. The anonymous one's kind of kind of ugly, but the, the rest are pretty cool. Charles Cards, uh, Bill Dernan is a prime example of the lost history of the 40s era. Mikan is the Bowman 48. That's what I thought. Thank you, Oscar Dad. Yeah, a cool card. I prefer the one that has all the color, all the printing plates were used versus the one that's missing the printing plate. But 1990 Pro Set had a Patrick Waugh autograph. There we go. I Yeah, that oh, reason. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it did. B. Roy says in baseball, the 52 tops mantle is valued more than the 51 Bowman rookie card. Do you guys ever see anything like that happening for hockey? I, I mean, I don't know, but no, I don't. And here's why. Here's why. Because we have a similar situation. We have the 51 Parkhurst rookie of Gordie Howe, and then we have the 54 first tops card of Gordie Howe, because tops did make hockey till 54. The 54 Gordie Howe card, I know Bobby will agree with me, is way more beautiful to look at than his rookie card. But the rookie card commands more money, and I believe always will. And that's just the way it is. So it's not the same. And I heard someone the other day who was had a big audience talk about a 52 tops mantle rookie, and I just cringed because it's not a rookie card. There's just no, it's not. A, the 52 tops mantle is not a rookie card. The Bowman, 51 Bowman is the rookie card. But Nate, anyway, Nate called it a rookie. What's that? Nate called it a rookie. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, what they come on man it's just <laughs> they turn story. yeah the 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 so anyway 
Let's keep going though. But that, but yeah, it always it always it's always a head shaker when someone refers to the fifty two tops mantle as a rookie. But uh, but hey, so many people call it that that so many people believe it. Like we talked about earlier with other things. Yeah. Uh, EMC, I feel like the whole Pelicans team is worth investing in. They have a super low key super low key team, low key super team. What do you guys think? I mean, yeah, there's some good players there, and Zion's probably going to lead the way there for a while. So you know, again, use your use your uh, assessment, your your athlete assessment skills, and go with who you think is going to do well for you. Colin Murray, there was a trucking strike in 79 that limited the cards getting across the border. There's a piece of trivia. Impact autos are 91-2, not 90-91. Both pro set and score. Mike Truman giving us some finer details. Thank you. Uh, sorry, right here, Lee Haskins. So you think Jagger will be in the Hall of Fame? And when I bought two, yes, is he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer as soon as he's as soon as he's eligible. No doubt about it. That, that's a slam dunk. Yeah. Dana Mayer, best stats ever is Gretzky, best player ever is Bobby Orr. That's that's debatable. Facebook user says, do you think McDavid SP authentic black future watch is undervalued? That's a question for Karn. Karn, you you speak to this. To me, it's a it's a it's a card that is so rare that I just I, I just want his I want his SP authentic uh parallel or the main card that's out of 999. That's what I want in my collection. But Karn, you you really focus on some of these truly rare pieces. What do you think about this? Yeah, I've owned, uh, I think, three of those uh, in the past, and there's only like five or five to seven of them. And I think they're just extremely beautiful cards, and um, they do seem to be very undervalued, um, just about how hard they are to hit. Like, there's so few of them. And when you see them, it's kind of like, oh, wow, you have that card. It's a very reactionary card, too, with how it looks. It's just a very beautiful card. And uh, right now, I think they're – uh, and last sales were probably around like 10 to 12 K they probably have gone up since then. Um, but like Jeremy says, it's, it's very niche and there's a small pool of buyers looking for cards like that. So, um, is it undervalued? Hard to say, uh, there's a Matthews on eBay right now. That's been there for about five months. No one's touching it. It's very cheap. It's like $6,000 and, and that's only three times more than the 999, right? And this card, there's only five copies, right? So um, is it undervalued? Uh, I don't think the demand is fully there for them. So if, yeah, so one, but once the, once and if the hockey market attracts more and more people to it, cards like that will be, I think, heavily targeted because of their rarity compared to other cards. You know, if, 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 a, if a Connor McDavid PSA 10 future watch auto rookie um, out of nine ninety nine, sells for fifty five hundred six thousand dollars right now USD. Um, that's chump change for a lot of people out there. We're learning there's a ton of money in this hobby. Those guys might not care for a six thousand dollar card. I want the twenty thousand dollar black that's out of five or seven or whatever it is, and, and and that might be what what turns their crank. So I think you can see growth in that down the road, for sure, for sure. Um, I like Canner collects comment here because I agree one hundred percent. Uh, that the Gordie House second year Parkhurst is beautiful with that yellow background. He's it's the him in the red jersey on the yellow background. It's not a it's not a very detailed card, but I I love it. It's one of my I I haven't I have a copy and I, I love it too, Canner. I think it's great. Bobby, any comments on that? I see you kind of rethinking it. You know? Oh uh, no, not the fifty two for uh, Gordie Howe for me. No, no. I would have to say <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Four tops is really. The great. It's got the red, white, and blue. It's totally American. Um, you know, he's Canadian, but he played for American team. You know, I have to give that that props. You know, we opened a 54 tops pack at our booth uh, back about four years ago. 
and that was phenomenal six cards uh phenomenal like condition condition unfortunately they came back from psa uh altered yeah. altered right out of the well, yeah. well a couple were sevens and eights and then there was altered after that and then we just kind of shook her head and we had the best graded guys sitting there going wow i've never seen nowhere to those corners and it was just you know anyways that's another you know because when something's too good to be true is it maybe it was maybe that was it bobby maybe they just thought that these were too good to be true you know and i can understand that and that's fair to say it's like um mcdavid too you know he it's like if you're the best goalie in the league and you're on the worst team are you the worst goalie in the league or are you the best goalie in the league do you get praise for that do you not you know and i think that's what comes down to mcdavid you know if he got with a great team like and he won a stanley cup man his card would skyrocket and i'd love to have it because i love mcdavid he's such a He's such a good guy, you know. Uh, Matthews, eh, you know, he's lazy, but he's got hands for days. So I don't know, you know. You know, I'd rather have a Marner and a McDavid than a Matthews any day. Oh, no, no. I'm a Matthews guy. Sorry. I am too. You know, he scores goals like nobody else, but he doesn't do back checking, he doesn't do anything else. So, you know, okay. I, 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 but okay. I get you. <laughs> well, okay, I said, too, you know, I'm just trying to be honest. So. Keep the elbows down here, guys. El elbows down. Elbows down. Uh, Mark Jacobs asked, would you invest in Future Watch Auto or Young Guns for Crosby Ovechkin? Uh, Mark Jacobs, I'm Future Watch Auto all day long. You know how many are out there. It's autographed, and they are effing beautiful. That's as close as I'll come to swearing. They're effing beautiful. As Future Watch Auto rookies are probably my favorite. That's what I want in my personal collection for modern players. Um, I love them. Pretty much every year, I love the design. Karn, Jan, you uh, you with me on that? Uh, Jeremy, do you like high glosses and exclusives and, and uh, things like that, or are you more past that? Like you don't like them? I do like them, but I I but I don't I I don't own many. I own a couple. Um, I like them, but I just find that they're usually out of my price range for the for the players that I'd want them in, like for a Crosby and Ovechkin. Like what I just saw the I think it was an Ovechkin sold for twenty two thousand dollars earlier this year. I mean, I'm okay with my Future Watch Auto for which is now worth a lot a lot, like eight grand or so. But you know, you can get that card two years ago for well under a thousand dollars. So that's where I want it to be. But I think that high so let's just and for people who may not know what we're talking about you got your you got your young guns but young guns have two parallels the first one is called exclusives young gun exclusives it's numbered out of 100 and then you have the young guns high gloss parallel that's out of 10 so really rare highly highly sought after like if you could find yourself a Sidney crosby high gloss or an ovechkin or a mcdavid or a matthews or any of these wonderful players i mean it's money in the bank right these are these are really and they're highly pursued for me though karn i just you know, the only difference between them and the young gun is a little bit of gloss, I guess, and a stamp. So it's not different enough for me personally. I'm I'm very happy with a less valuable SP authentic with a nice autograph and a, and a, still a serial number on it. How about yourself, though? Yeah, I've debated myself. That's what the reason I asked you is because I think my opinion has started changing a little bit. From the start, I was very into young guns, uh, like exclusives, high glosses. I just thought they were so cool, uh, just the chase of them all. But then uh, as I got a little bit more into the, the future watch autos, they're just so clean and they're so sleek. But then at the same time, I love high graded young guns. I love black label young guns because uh, for me, they're they're just so rare of this 
issue that that is very highly populated in print run so to have like the best of something that has a high print run makes me i don't know it, it just gives me that feeling of having something special but then that future watch is just so clean and has an autograph it's on card so it's a tough one for me i, I always debate myself over it well the nice thing karn is you don't have to choose one or the other maybe you can just go for both so <laughs> <laughs> all right um i mean the you know we still got tons of viewers here guys we got lots of comments we're at the two hour 10 mark i'm good to keep going but bobby karn if either of you guys have to go just no, I had my coffee. I took my uh, – I went to the washroom. I'm good. I'm good to Karen, go. how about you? How's your yeah, time? Good to, go. good to go. Okay, we'll keep on rolling here. Uh, EMC says, if you had to pick one position in each major sport to invest in, what would they be? I'm going to go first. Centers in hockey. Quarterbacks in football. I mean, basketball, it's it's like – it's the guys that score the most points, you know? It's – it, it's it's the shooting guards and uh, and the big men for me probably because I'm a big Shaq fan. I love I love my Shaquille O'Neal cards. Um, and then in uh, in baseball, it's 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 you know it's it's the guys that hit the home runs. People want score. It's all about scoring in every single sport. It's all about scoring. So you know football. It's and in football, you know I know running backs and wide receivers they score a lot of points too, but they get hurt, especially running backs. I mean, if you're not Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, I mean. It's tough. It's tough to get a good long career going. So those would be mine. Do you guys have any uh, anything different to say about that? Yeah, for me with basketball, I, I would agree with everything. Uh, with basketball, I look at more brand. I'm, I'm I very I very much zero in on the brand of a player rather than the position. So what is like Harden, for example, amazing scorer, but his brand is just so poor amongst the fan base for whatever reason. This guy's gonna be a Hall of Famer, such a sick player, but his brand for whatever reason is he doesn't play defense and people don't like him. And for me, that's something I don't want to invest in, but uh, for whatever reason, basketball is a little bit more intertwined with pop culture. So I I like to view them as like a pop culture collectible at the same time. So I try to assess how their likability is before I try to invest in the player. Yeah. I think that's why I like Shaquille O'Neal so much. He's still out there doing stuff, you know, how about you, Bobby, anything to add to that? Uh, hockey wise too. I know a lot of people love their goaltenders, right? People yeah. summarily, I don't think there's really any much difference. I think we're all in the same kind of game. Yeah. Goalies are certainly um, a set apart. Um, I think that goalies are probably one of my favorites. Uh, they've always been, you know, uh, the key, uh, Especially growing up in the mask era, it was a little different, you know, opposed uh, to today where it's a little bit different. I I, I just, uh, I've always been prone to liking goalies and uh, and good strong uh, forwards. So, All right. Hope yeah. that answered your question. EMC7, behind the tank, says uh, 52 Parker's cards look like poorly drawn cartoons. Yeah, a lot of them do. Some of them have, some of them have like the stands and the boards drawn in and some of them are just like one color backgrounds. And I, I wish they would have been con- more consistent with that. Daniel says, does the buyer's premium paid count towards price comparisons on future sales of the same cards? Yes, 100%. It is right in there in the in the price, Daniel. Yes, it does. Lee Haskins, are there any exciting hockey rookies in 2021 to start looking at? I mean, you right next year or is that two years? Shane Wright? Shane Wright is, uh, I think, one or two years down the road. I think he's 2022. Someone can probably let us know, but... Um, yeah, he's not yet, but if you're looking at players, you know, that are cards that are coming out in this current hockey card season, you're looking at the rookies that were just, the guys that were just drafted for the most part. And you're looking at Alexis Lafreniere, 
and um, oh gosh, uh, by, what was the name? The one second, somebody please. Tim Stutzla. There's uh, starts with a B. I know who he is. I'm thinking Bowen Byron, but that's not the right guy. Uh, yeah, 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 I was thinking Bowen Byron for sure too. It's uh, it's so silly because we should yeah. know this, but uh, LA right. King. Yeah, after COVID, I think we'll really open up the doors to yeah. what's happening. Bothering me now. <laughs> Bruce Findlay says McDavid may be the Daryl Sittler of the modern hobby if he doesn't ever win. Yeah, the Marcel Dion, the Dale Howarchuk, these are guys that uh, that have played a lot of games, great careers, but never won the Stanley Cup. Bobby doesn't like hearing that. Bobby, respond. You know, I'm a big Daryl Sittler fan, but McDavid is far better than Daryl Sittler ever was. Like Daryl Sittler was a great representative of the NHL, and he played a lot of great games, and he was a he was a steady kind of great player you know 76 he did a lot of he could score the winning goal you know yeah but mcdavid is just so fast and so talented beyond um sittler and i you know i'm a leaf fan and you know i don't like saying anything bad but i'm just gonna say the truth i mcdavid is 10 times better than sittler ever was even though sittler made the hall of fame you know david will mcdavid will certainly as well and and I, I I hear what you're saying, and I think just to Bruce's defense, I think he's just you know it's more along the lines like I was saying. You got your Marcel Dion's, Dale Howardchucks, Daryl Sittlers, great middle, middle of the road, middle upper tier. That's that's it. Yeah, McDavid, you're right. You're right. McDavid's a far superior player oh, yeah. to his peers. Yeah. Okay. Who did he put in that upper tier in 1970 then? Salty Gamer says, I stopped collecting a long time ago, uh, a long while ago, and just getting back into it now. Rookie cards is what I love, but can't afford a lot on cards. Do you think buying the Opeachy MVP versions of these rookie cards are still worth it? Let me tell you one thing, Salty Gamer. I was looking at some MVP cards, the New Year's on Com C today, and they caught my eye. MVP, it's a cheap product, but they have they have nice eye appeal. So if you like the looks of them, Opeachy, uh, not really. They're, I, they feel cheap, especially this year. I didn't like the quality of the feel of them, but I really like MVP for the price point. And if you're going to, you know, then you can, there's some parallels out of the, the super scripts out of 25 that are very affordable as well. So look at some, maybe look at some uh, par rarer parallels from some of the lower price point products. If you want to get back in and your budget isn't, able to afford, you know, big, big money cards. I think MVP is a fine, a fine choice personally. And they're nice cards. So that's my, my opinion. Mark Jacobs, do you know who two pint is on eBay? I do not. Oscard basketball is mostly positionless nowadays. So invest in players, not position so much. And that ties into what Karn was saying as well. If you mix, if you mix the player with their brand, because a player's brand off the court, off the ice, off the field is very important to long-term value. Very important. Colin Murray, 7980 OPG box, currently at two. What? What? Where? Where's that? I thought that ended. That ended at 140 US with buyer premium. Oh, Gretzky on back of pack. What? I don't know. Oh, Byfield. Byfield is the other yeah. rookie. Yes. <laughs> I think it's Quinton Byfield is the rookie on oh. Heritage. On heritage. on heritage, I don't see it. I don't know. What is he talking about? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Gretzky on back of pack. Maybe he meant twenty four thousand dollars for the one pack with Gretzky on the back or something. I'm not sure. Gretzky but on the back. Well, then you have a wax. Well, actually, if he's facing out, uh, you can get the wax off nice and easy. He's usually between Harold Snaps and Derek Smith, and 
Well, let us know. Uh, let us know, uh, Colin, if you get some actual, if you if you can clarify it all, appreciate it. Uh, Oscar, a question for Karn. Curious if he collects any basketball, and if so, which players and sets, etc. Yeah, I, I love basketball. Um, what I'm zeroing in on right now uh, is '90s Jordan autos. Uh, '90s Jordan autos. I think they're just such beautiful cards. Uh, SPX autos, game jersey autos. Those are just so beautiful and i think uh in basketball modern cards are increasing in value so much that some of the the legends and the hall of famers are kind of lagging behind in how much uh of an increase they're seeing and i think jordan's there at uh, something that actually could be undervalued prior to last night's auctions though because last night's auctions uh kind of maybe changed the environment but uh yeah uh, jordan for me and then lebron james uh for the for the more modern player uh that's kind of what i go for the goats Watch out, Karin. They're coming. <laughs> Hockey fan clarifies, brings us up to speed. Quinton Byfield was drafted second by the Los Angeles Kings, and he's apparently a beast of a player. So I think he'll be one to watch for sure. Colin Murray says it's a three-day auction. I've pulled up Heritage, but it's not opening for some reason for me right now. Oh, it wants me to sign in. Okay. B-Roy, following up on MVP, uh, Opeachy talk for modern Opeachy. Platinum has more eye appeal. I agree. If you're going to do Opeachy, Try and grab the Opeachy Platinum version. There's a lot of cool parallels in there, too, that I really think are beautiful. And, you know, they don't have to be the gold seismics out of 50. You can collect the, the, the red prisms out of 199, which are very affordable considering they're still out of 199. Colin Murray tells us $240,000. EMC7, I'm thinking of jumping into a little bit of hockey. Awesome. Great to have you. All the stores around my house are filled with hockey. What top three players should I look for? Sidney Crosby. Alexander Ovechkin and Connor McDavid, as far as modern players go, that's that's an easy easy answer. What about vintage? Uh, vintage, vintage Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, Gordy Howe. Simple as that. Okay. Maurice Richard, a close fourth for me. Bobby Hall's up there, but Bobby Hall, I don't know. He's got. I like his rookie card, not much else. Uh, behind the tanks, I remember when my homeboy Larry Kerrigan had an unopened box of 79 Opeachy for sale at the international show for $16,000 in 2013. Seemed completely ridiculous. Yeah, he has, he's got 20x on that right now. Crazy. I remember, people, uh, I remember people saying it was insane that the PSA 10 OPG rookie was 94,000 for the Gretzky. Like people were like, that makes no sense. But <laughs> here we are, right? <laughs> 10 years later. I remember Larry offered me a box of uh, Gretzky for, I think he had it for 13. He said, Bobby, I'll give it to you for 11. And I said, that's mm, ah, okay. Uh, so I, I found the, uh, I found the box and uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, Colin, you're wrong. It's not 240. It's actually 252,000 us dollars now for that box. So those prices that I quoted earlier, I quoted them. I quoted these prices on that box when it was at one hundred and fourteen thousand. It's more than doubled since earlier this afternoon. Oh my so god, the Gretzky rookie has went insane! Insane! Oh my insane. god, are, this is history right here, guys. Oh yeah, my god. right now we are right, right now. now. This is right the title of this auction. I can't find it. It's it's uh, it's called hockey. It's called uh, nineteen ninety. 1979-80 Opeachy Hockey Wax Box with 48 unopened packs with Gretzky Rookie on back of pack. Is it great? Oh, what? He must be on one of the back, the back of one of the packs. I'm not sure. But is it graded or graded? Obviously ungraded, right? 
it, it un, oh yeah, ungraded. It's it's a two hundred and ten thousand plus a forty two thousand dollar buyer's premium for a total of two fifty two USD right now. Yep, Colin wasn't Colin was wrong, but he was wrong to the good. He was wrong that he was just a little bit low in his number, not high. So <laughs> what's the average grade we can pull a, a pack uh, fresh card at? What's the average? I know it, but I'm just asking. Out of a 79, 80 pack? If you uh, open a 79 Gretzky OPG pack or tops, what do you think your average grade should be? I would I would suspect uh, I'm just uh, guessing based on Jordan, people usually uh, expect like a seven or eight around there. Is that is it six? That's my guess. Seven. Yeah, seven. seven. Yeah, seven is your average grade. Um, uh, because of centering, because of positioning, um, you know, wax stain or whatever. Uh, but seven, you can always uh, pretty much guarantee. So when you're buying a pack, you know, you'd almost think that a seven is great, but it's potential that always sells. And the potential of a nine or a 10, 10, oh my gosh. You know, where do packs? Actually, I saw a pack, um, uh, 79 Opeachy pack, uh, PSA nine, uh, sell for 2,500 USD. It had a gum tear in the bottom and the top. And I just sat there and I shook my head and went, all right. I think the circumstance, though, the, the box itself and the packs itself become an artifact. Like, no one actually wants to open the pack anymore. It's more so the Gretzky's on the back. This is the, the box where the $1.3 million card comes out of. So everyone's looking at this box as this new historical item in the hobby. And I think it's super cool. It's, uh, and it's You're right, Karen. But, you know, when you grew through that area, you know, I'm buying potato chips opposed to Gretzky packs. You know, <laughs> what are you doing? I'm grade 7, grade 8, you know. I'm just sitting there by actually you know what happened in that year um hostess potato chips from canada they came out with grape cherry and um and orange flavored potato chips and i opted to buy those opposed to a gritsky pack <laughs> shame on me there's the big history there you go guys honestly you'll never find those those potato chip bags anywhere because they just lasted such a short period of time. They were so awful, but that's what happened. I went to the store. I remember I was in grade eight and I just went in the store and I went, I'm going to the back because I want potato chips. <laughs> I was buying bottle caps instead of packs of cards back then too, right? Remember the bottle caps. The the plastic, uh, the, I mean the uh, candy ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still, I still eat them. I still love my candy. So, um, <laughs> Okay, let's keep rolling here, though, guys. Let's keep rolling. Charles says, oh, man, I remember I could have bought PSA 3 Gretzky for 350 when I was 10. So that's, that's four years ago. I mean, and he, you could have maybe got him for less back. But not, that's, that's not too long ago. Lee Haskins, you were talking about player brand being important. Who's the current best hockey player brand? McDavid. Well, for modern players, McDavid, for sure. Better than Crosby? Oh, yeah. I think so. I think so. I think uh, McDavid, oh. Vetkin, and Crosby, and in brand Canada or United States, which one? Just uh, in uh, general, I in think. In general, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think for me, my favorite brand of branded player right now is Alexander Ovechkin. His okay. passion for the game. I, I he's he's like I think he's the most entertaining player in the league. Personality on the ice, maybe not on the ice. Connor's very especially exciting to watch, but so is Patrick Kane and Johnny Goudreau and all these guys that are fast and zipping around, but. To me, Ovechkin is just, um, he's a great brand. And that's saying a lot for a guy who's from Russia and not Canadian or even American. So uh, I'm a big fan of Alexander Ovechkin. He is very, that's very recent, that phenomenon of Ovechkin, right? It just started. 
about because when he here. won the cup a few years ago. It helped that he won the cup and that he 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 posted on Instagram where he was with it and how much like that celebration after the game endeared so many people to him because you saw that the only thing he cared about was winning the Stanley Cup. And that's what you want out of your athletes. You want them to be competitive like Michael Jordan was, and you want them to want to win. And when they win, you want to see their emotion like Michael Jordan showed. And Ovechkin showed that, you know? You know what? You know what? Now that I think about it, I agree with you because his brand uh, his brand developed and got better, and that's why his cards started rising in prices, right? So I think that is because of his brand getting uh, a lot more stronger. The story yeah. always sells, right? The story always sells. It does. And I'll just add for Ovechkin, his price, his value started to rise when all the talk came about him potentially catching Gretzky's goals record. That that helped a lot too. But yeah, winning the cup was huge. It puts him, it, it that's the monkey off the shoulder of him. And it's the monkey off the shoulder of his card status within the hobby as well. And that'll happen to McDavid too when it happens with him. Yeah. When he yeah. gets traded to the right team. Yeah. If. Yeah. Uh, Peter Chow calling us correct. Heritage has a wrapped 7980 box, and they're saying there's a Gretzky rookie in the back of one of the packs. Thank you for clarifying. That makes, and that's what, what I can see in the, in the title. But, but, um, so thank you, Peter. Colin Murray turned down two boxes for 70K two years ago. Colin, hey, man, we all have those regrets for sure. Who has uh, 70K? Eric, Eric, Eric's biggest hobby, hobby regrets are the cards boxes I didn't buy. How about the ones we did buy? We have the ones we did sell way back in time, too. Behind the tanks, guess the PSA six was the average. Good guess, but I think we we did, we determined it was seven, or that's what Bobby says. Our research has shown behind the tanks, ninety percent chance of being off centered. Yep, can't argue with that. Colin, that's what. So even since Colin first mentioned this box and what it was at, there must have been another bid in the last uh, few minutes. It's in extended bidding right now, so the only people that can bid on it are those people who bid already. So the 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 bidding war is now between. Very few people, I must think. Stephen Sue, great uh, to see you, says, quick question. If you could elaborate on buyer's premium, not exactly sure what it is. Let me do that quickly. The auction the, the auction is bid on based on just a normal bidding uh, process. And at the end of the auction, the auction house, ta- this particular auction house, tax on 20% on top of the final hammer price. And that becomes the total price. So you pay the buyer's premium to the auction house. That's their commission on the sale. And at the end of the day, it's all part of the cost of the card or the item. Bruce Findlay, I think my Richard Brodeur PSA 9 WHA rookie card skyrockets due to Gretzky price. He's the king after all. Hey, man, it might. It, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to skyrocket, but it might go up in value. You know, the wrong could. Brodeur. Wrong Brodeur, exactly. Colin Murray says two Gretzkys per box. Yeah, I mean, 240,000. 1.69. Yeah, but but they're not gonna obviously as we know they're not gonna be tens. You're lucky to get you're lucky to get eights and eights are wait, maybe 20 grand, maybe yeah, they but- could be more now, but so 40 grand and then a bunch of commons. I mean, you're buying the artifact being the unopened box. That is where the value is, I believe. Higher premium is the auction house fee. Box, right? What's that? Ops is only one per box, really. Is it? Yeah. Well, it's 24 to 60, you know. So oh, fewer yeah. packs, yeah, yeah. Charles says one every 21 packs. Colin says should go for less because of the wax. Yeah. Facebook user, does anyone know typically how many Gretzky rookies can uh, come out of a full box? So there we go. I think it's 39. What's that? 1.69. 1.69. There you go. There's a there's a nice average number. Does Bobby know if much 79 Opeachy unopened boxes are still out there? Uh, to be honest, and I'll be candid with you, yes, lots. 
there's okay. there's you know, you're privy to a lot of information and uh there's a lot of people who confide in me but i i know there's uh quite a few cases around yeah well colin murray concurs people will sit on it because they don't need the money and that's the the worst case scenario is when somebody doesn't need it need the money yeah. and they're just going to sit on and say ah you know i don't care you know i got yeah. I, in the bank. I don't care what's that going to give me I had somebody trying to buy some cards off me last night and I said, here's my price. And will you meet me? And I said, no, I said, I'm just not a very motivated seller. So it's like, I'll, I'm happy to keep them. Right. Like, so I just said, no, thanks, but no, no. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be a douche about it. I just, no, I, I don't want to sell them for that. So sometimes you just don't get a deal done. So, uh, oh, I want to say here, Colin, Colin concurs. He touched one today. He touched it on open box today. That's very cool. Salty Gamer says to Bobby, I worked at Hostess in Tabor, Alberta, making those chips. Thought they were so strange. There you go, Bobby. Maybe you want to reach out to Salty Gamer for some history on that product. The Card Collector is in the house. Welcome to the show, Card Collector. Great to have you. Gritty has the best branding, says Charles. That's a Philadelphia Flyers uh, mascot who, I don't get it, but I guess a lot of people get it. Oh, it's almost like the uh, the Montreal. He looks very similar to the Montreal one, the Yopi. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks very similar. I'm kind of going, hey, it looks the same. Taylor Sloat, welcome to the show. Awesome show. Thank you very much. Greatly appreciate that. Steven Sue. So will Ovechkin break Gretzky's goal record? Um, I'm going to say no. I feel that he won't, but I don't know. He's 35 with 706. Gretzky is 894. It would be monumental to see a Russian break the greatest hockey player to live's goals record. I agree. I'm okay with it happening. I don't think it hurts Wayne Gretzky whatsoever. If Ovechkin beats the record, I would love to see it. I don't think it's going to happen. Pandemic hurts, right? Pandemic, Pandemic. hurts. Pandemic makes it much, that much more difficult, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. But even still, if you look at how many people, somebody, how many years somebody plays in the league compared to somebody who played 10, 15 years and they set a record and then the other guy uh, played 20 years, is is does that take into account any, you know? It's all about... Career stats. Career yeah, stats. I, I understand career, but a shorter career and somebody who's so much better is well. Where's that's Mike Bossy, Mike Gartner, Bossy these guys. A big one, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So you don't. You, yeah, no. I think I think you got you gotta you gotta be in the record books to really stand out. Um, otherwise, it takes guys like us to talk about Mike Bossies and Mike Gartners, who we didn't even talk about, but I think he holds the record for most consecutive thirty goal seasons in the NHL. So. Yeah. Lee Haskins says, thank you for answering all my questions. Love that you answer each question. Thanks, guys. You're welcome, Lee. Thank you for joining us. And uh, to anyone who's new, hasn't been here, please subscribe, all that. Follow the Big Three Hockey on Instagram. You see them on the ticker right there. Karn, that's Karn's uh, Instagram account. And uh, trust me when I say it's a fun account to follow. Eric Perry, unopened wax is similar to Schrodinger's cat through the, th the, the thought experiment. Once opened, it has less mystique. I would leave 70 and 80 packs sealed because they always have the possibility. Exactly. I own one 780 pack and I have no intent. I, I People ask me what, because I have a whole run of Opeachy unopened packs from 1970 to 89. And people say, are you ever going to open them? On my deathbed. I have no interest in opening them before then. But what the, at what point does the value exceed the uh, the pull? Well, it might right now, Bob. It might right, right now. now. Exactly. <laughs> Tonight. Exactly. Tonight. Tonight. Big so, Daddy Cool, another Larry Kerrigan story from around 1996. So Larry Kerrigan, I I know I, I don't know Larry, but I I see him at the expo. I know who he is because he's so, sort of legendary, it seems like. But he's a, a a vintage dealer at the Toronto Sports Expo. I've always also seen him set up at the National, and yeah. 
he's got the big long hair, right? Long hair, long curly hair. And he's got some of the oldest vintage items you'll ever find. So the guy's got connections in terms of finding cool inventory. And um, anyway, let's hear about the story. He bought a partially complete 33 Gaudi set. Beautiful condition. I think he wanted 4,800 included two roofs and two garrets. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Buy, I'll buy all those. <laughs> Mark Jacobs, would it, would it be a good investment to buy Future Watch BGS 9.5? Yes, that's what. I, yes, I do PSA tens, but I have every card you listed there except for I don't have a Matthews or a Carey Price, but I have the four on top, and those are among my favorites. Behind the tanks, I bought a three thousand count box of seventy nine Opeachy from a former employee in London, Ontario, who took them directly off the line, and they were all razor sharp. No Gretzky's. I hit one PSA ten common. Does that mean you had three thousand cards graded? Because that must have been a a big bill when you got it back. Here's another um, Opeachy fact. Can we do Opeachy facts and just uh, break into there? You know, a lot of people um, would pull their cards uh, for their kids. So if Gretzky was, you know, the big guy for 79, they would uh, pull Gretzky cards from the packs, uh, from the from the loading uh, uh, employees. They would, yeah, they would, you know, not only would they get a sheet and a pack of, you know, gum or whatever, or a box of gum, they would also be able to, uh, you know, hey, my son wants... Gretzky or he wants whoever he wants you know they would pull them out because they just did and that was the time because it didn't really matter who was in the pack in 79 how, how good was Gretzky you know I met him in 1980 it's like who was he I had his hockey stick he signed it I wore it down I played ball hockey I broke the blade you know he was not 83 yeah big different story yeah. Okay, guys, I want to I want to let y'all y'all know that. Uh, oh, before that, he goes on to say, I was only able to find 100 centered ones to send in. Okay, so that's a low rate, one in 30. Um, we are for the first time tonight at the end of the comments, two hours 36 minutes in. That's a record for me. So I think we're gonna we're gonna wind down because it's been going on for a while. So as we wind down, I just want to thank uh, Bobby. Thank you for joining. Uh, we had this plan, Karn. Thanks for for coming in. Uh, uh, off the, from the bullpen there to, to relieve Sean Chalk, who if you were expecting Sean tonight, everybody, Sean had to cancel very last minute an emergency COVID board meeting for his business, I believe for his business. So unfortunately, he wasn't able to join us. But uh, Karin, you filled in the spot very well. Thank you so much. No problem, and, um, Bobby. To, to everybody who's been watching us and, and uh, engaging with us throughout the evening, thank you so much. This is this has been fun. I, I want to do more of these sort of uh, timely reaction type of episodes. That's why I'm not doing the Wednesday night show anymore on a consistent basis. It will happen sometimes, but not every Wednesday. Saturday lives on. Show coming back tomorrow night. I got Michael Hodges from the Clubhouse Group Breakers. And, you know, trust me when I say tune in if you're a regular viewer. Even if you're not, tune in because we're not just talking about group breaking. This guy's got some great stories. You're going to really enjoy it. And uh, again, if you haven't subscribed yet to the channel and you enjoyed the show tonight, please subscribe to the channel, hit thumbs up, all that. I'm going to throw up uh, on the on the ticker right now where you can find me on social media. There's my Instagram handle, my Twitter handle, and the Facebook group. We have a Facebook group just for this show called Sports Cards Live. Feel free to join it. It's going to ask you who your contact or your reference is. You can just put down my name, put down Karn's name, put down Bobby's name, whoever you want, and we'll, we'll, we'll admit you into the group. And I, I basically post up who upcoming guests are, that kind of thing. So check that out. Really appreciate all of you tuning in. Parting thoughts from you guys. Bobby, you're up. Oh, parting thoughts. You know, I love the uh, 
I, I love the uh, rapid fire that that was coming off. You were reading off great uh, there, Jeremy. Uh, you know, it was great the different questions because between Karn and the vintage and me, uh, me and the vintage and Karn and the vintage modern, you know, and you yourself, I thought it was a great diversity to have out there just answering questions. And I think we, I think we came along pretty good. I think so too. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it, man. I agree with you on the the mix of of the three of us on the panel tonight it was awesome. Karn, parting from you, and then we're going to read through the final comments and say goodnight. I think uh, to everyone watching, let's get excited about hockey cards again. Like uh, We need to get excited about hockey cards. There's so many great cards out there. They're, they're super cheap, and what it takes is positivity. Um, everyone, when someone posts a nice card, say beautiful card, amazing card. Don't complain about the price someone's asking. That's kind of what I want to get out there. There's a Gretzky card that is selling for $1.3 million, and hopefully that brings some excitement to, to the market in general. Well said, man. Well said. All right, guys. Uh, parting comments from the crowd. Terry Fortune, thank you for tuning in, Terry. I know this is of particular interest to you, especially. I mean, we got off the topic of the Gretzky cards. We, we came back to it a few times, but we did spend a good hour and a half on it, and then we, 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 we diversified out thanks to all the viewers. So thank you for that. The show became much more than I thought it was going to be. So that's awesome. Oz Cardad, great having you. Thanks for all your comments and questions, B-Roy. Same to you. You guys are awesome tonight. Salty Gamer, same to you. Al G, you were quiet, but I know you're there. I love having you, buddy. Always good to have you. Oscar, yeah, Hobby History Live. Like, really, even on, even on the when Colin Murray brought up the box of Opeachy, I'm going to refresh my page right now. See, is it still at 252? Let's see. It is still at 252. 252,000 US dollars. Gem Wayne Gretzky was hyped. I was seven and my neighbor was buying boxes. There you go. Tim Marin, thank you for joining us. Charles Cards, great show, of course. Charles, thanks for having you. Tim Marin, thank you for the message on Facebook you sent me too. I got to change the title in the episode. There's a spelling mistake. Jeff Proctor, great to have you. Thank you for joining. Almost like talking at the Toronto Expo. Can't wait till we can all meet up at the Expo soon enough, guys. Miss that dearly. So do I. Chris Vegas finds welcome to the show. Good evening. Looks like you're a little bit late. We're just wrapping up right now, Chris. We're two hours, 40 minutes in, but this was an amazing episode. Karn is BGS's super long wait. It's going to drive more people to PSA than they already have. I think we're seeing uh, delays at all the grading companies. I think people are just going to wait for it to, to calm down. Karn, do you want to just jump quick with a, a response to that though? Your own opinion? Yeah, quickly. Um, PSA is getting a lot more business right now, and I think I'm seeing a big shift towards PSA, and that's what's causing the the big prices with PSA tens over be just nine and a half. Will it change? Perhaps. CGC. CGC. So coming in too spreads the market share wide, right? So we'll see what what happens. But I'm excited about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna send in some cards. It'll be fun. Cool. I saw you post that you were gonna do that. I like this next comment. Eric Perry says. I, best YouTube show ever, even without a Ziggy Palfy reference. Well, now we have it. We have the Ziggy Palfy is weaving his way through these YouTube shows between uh, Because I'm Carlos and, and Sports Cards Live and uh, Amish Dave Archer. We got Ziggy Palfy making an appearance. I'm so glad you said that, Eric, because I, I wouldn't want to leave him out. Canner Collects, throwing my cap on the ice for the hat trick tonight, boys. Thanks, Canner. Great to have you tonight. Carlos is around. Good to see you, Carlos. Really appreciate that. Great job. Thank you. Big Daddy Cool. Bobby, when is the next book coming out and what is the topic? It's a website and an app. That's all that's coming out. And it'll be uh, 10 times like Gretzky uh, uh, information-wise. Uh, what you'll see is pictures and uh, more issues than you have ever knew that were even listed. Awesome. Pre-1990, uh, just to let everybody know. 
pre-1990. All right, guys. Well, we'll have Bobby will be back on the show when his new website is live, app, all that stuff, and we'll talk about it then. Everybody, Bobby, again, thank you. Karn, again, thank you. Sean Chalk would have been great to have you. Sorry you couldn't make it. Everyone out there who's watching, guys, thank you. This was fun. We are we witnessed history, and um, we'll be doing this again uh, soon. I'll be back tomorrow night, as I said, for another live streaming high-energy episode. Check it out, guys. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet. Please check out the Big 3 Hockey on Instagram. We will see you guys all again next time. Good night. You two stay right there. Thanks, guys. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.